Yeah. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? It is finally here. Welcome to the 2023 Cool Down Time Game Award Special. This is where we decide the winners of 12 prestigious or not so prestigious categories to celebrate the best and bootiest games of 2023. I am Marco, your graphically outdated host of the show, and joining me is none other than the technical mess of the show as well. I got Pablo here with me. Pablo, it's finally time to start making some some big decisions about all the games we've been playing this year, all oh, yeah. the headlines, all the stuff that's been good, not so good. We've got that all accounted for in our game of the year. Uh, two-part special here, Pablo. So uh, first and foremost, uh, to all our listeners, hope you're having a good holiday season. If you're celebrating anything, if you're not, I hope you're having a good day when this finds you. Uh, but we have a lot to get into, as, uh, as, as you well know, if you've listened to these specials of ours before. Uh, but for those of you who are new to the show, uh, we'll give you a little bit of a rundown as far as what to expect from these proceedings and how we're going to go about deciding the winners of all these categories we have today. So uh, before that, Pablo, how are you? How's it going? Yep, doing well. I am uh, extremely excited to get this going. Uh, this is the show that I'm always looking forward to starting January 1st. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just kind of getting to talk about all the games we played and and kind of giving those who deserve some flowers and those who don't. Yeah, we're going to talk about you, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, got, we got things to say. You know, if you heard our show, we're not short of opinions here, and we're <laughs> ready to give all the opinions about all the games we've been playing. Uh, and I hope you guys agree, and I hope you guys disagree. I hope you come out of this loving us and hating us all at the same time. Uh, That's a weird. But request. I can't wait to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to that point, I think I, I think before we get into everything, I think it's important to kind of set the table with saying this, right? Our opinions are going to differ than yours. If you are listening to this show, you know that uh, not only is it that's just the case in general with gaming discourse but especially in the case of me and pablo there's going to be some games that people love universally that we might not be very fond of on on our list of of uh awards today uh there might be you know the adverse effect of of like you know we might love some games that you might not like so much uh mm-hmm. so i think it's important to kind of make sure we calibrate those of you listening to say that you know let's let's be able to agree to disagree uh, you know, if you're going to get to the point where you're going to hate, listen, <laughs> then you might want to take a breather. Uh, we're not, we're, but I, I will say we're not going to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. That's I, never the I, objective. I'm glad you said that. If you're listening to the show for the first time, this is your first episode. I want to warn you guys, you'll be shocked by some of our opinions, but they're fully based on our experiences with the game and not based on us trying to create some kind of controversy or trying to go against the grain in any way, shape, or form. We want to love all games always, but that's just not the case. So yeah, definitely it. We're, we're, we're going to have some differing opinions, but the, the thing I want to stress the most, we're not doing this just to be controversial. Right. Believe me, there's plenty of that shit out there, and that's not what we do here. Exactly, exactly. So... Uh, with that preamble out of the way, Pablo, I think it's time to tell the people what we got in store for them uh, with this uh, part one. Now, uh, you may have heard it in the intro, but we have 12 different categories of awards we're going to be giving out this year. Uh, this particular episode is going to be covering 11 
out of the 12. Um, the 12th one is going to be us ranking the top 10 best games of 2023. Uh, but before that, we have these 11 categories that we're going to be giving awards out to today. And they are as follows. We have award number one, which is best visuals slash art style. Best sound. Best new content. Middest game of the year. Booty Juice of the Year, <laughs> the Anything Goes Award, Biggest Disappointment, Biggest Surprise, Best Character, Best Moment or Sequence, Best Story. Um, and did I leave out any at all? Um, no, I, I think you got them all. I think I got them all. Yeah, so that 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 is that is going to cover what we're going to be doing today. Uh, we have quite a list of nominees for each of these categories, and what we're going to be essentially doing is we're going to start each category off by rattling off what all the nominees are, and then we're going to go through a deliberation process where me and Pablo are each going to uh, essentially cut uh, certain nominees from the list and explain why briefly as we send them out the door. Um, all the way up until we narrow down the results to uh, a top three. So this year we're doing uh, first place, second place, and third place, which is unique for us. Usually we just do a winner and a runner-up. Uh, we're actually expanding that this year uh, just to be able to give uh, more games more shine, uh, essentially. Hell yeah. um, so that's what we're going to be doing this time around, and we're just going to keep pushing forward. Um, so uh, as you heard by some of the nominees and some of the categories, uh, um, we're going to have a little fun with this uh, for some of these. So, so be ready uh, to take a little break and, and laugh with us for a few of these awards. But overall, uh, we are going to take these pretty seriously and, and really pick the, the games and, uh, and or headlines that we think are most deserving. Um, last thing I will say, uh, in case you're wondering, yes, uh, some of these categories will be uh, spoilerific in certain respects. Uh, we are going to try to backload those categories that will involve spoilers towards the very end of the show so that just in case you're not particularly sure if you want to listen to those just in case we spoil certain things that you might be uh, playing right now you'll have the opportunity to back off and uh, come back another time or we'll also timestamp uh, as best we can uh, to make sure that if there are things we can you know kind of warn you about we're going to say that you'll have an opportunity to maybe skip ahead uh, and get past it so that you don't you know get spoiled in anything in particular uh, but normally we don't rattle off spoilers just for the hell of it uh, throughout a lot of these categories we're pretty good about keeping those contained so that you're not uh, taken off guard or something like that. So, um, Pablo, with that out of the way, I think we've we've introed this as much as we can. I think it's time to just kind of dig right in. And to do so, we are going to start with our very first category, which is best visuals slash art style. These are the games that excelled in visual fidelity and or art style. An important thing to note is nominees do not need to excel at both in order to either qualify or win this award. And the nominees for Best Visuals slash Art Style are as follows. Alan Wake 2 Bomb Rush Cyberfunk Chance of Sinar Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty Dead Island 2 Dead Space Final Fantasy 16 Forza Motorsport Hi-Fi Rush Hogwarts Legacy, Lies of P, Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, 
Mortal Kombat 1, Octopath Traveler 2, Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals, Resident Evil 4, Star Ocean, The Second Story R, Starfield, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Street Fighter 6, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and Super Mario Bros. Wonder. That is our list of nominees. And Pablo, that's one of our biggest list of nominees out of all the categories. So yeah. um, we've got to get this down to three, and then we got to rank them hoes. <laughs> so I think let's let's just let's dig right in, man. What do you think is, is easy cuts to make here to kind of start narrowing this down? Yeah, lots of lots of nice looking, beautiful games uh this year. I think for off rip. The one that I think stands out as one that doesn't quite belong here, but I kind of wanted to just shout it out for a particular thing that it does, and that's Dead Island 2. I think that the gore effects in that game are absolutely stunning and amazing. I think that what they do with that stuff is really, really cool. But otherwise, other than that, visually, the game is nice to look at, but it's not a standout, and there's no way that it, 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 it... makes it here in any way shape or form so th- that would be my easy cut yeah it looked better than i thought it was going to look i will say that but yeah. um yeah I-, I think overall just looking at some of these other contenders is it a top three i just can't see it so yeah i'm, I'm yeah. with you there i actually have two cuts that kind of push this thing along uh i'm gonna cut bomb rush cyberfunk uh even though i think it's a very faithful representation of the jet set radio aesthetic um i i just think that as as cool as it is i just don't think that that coolness is going to contend with some of the other heavy hitters here. So I'm going to go ahead and knock that out. I'm also going to say Mortal Kombat 1. Um, the gore and the, the fatalities and the blood and guts is all cool and all, but I think that um, it's more or less standard fare for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. It's just a very cleaner and, and crispier looking version of that, which is by no means a bad thing. But again, mm-hmm. I just think in the grand scheme, other contenders on this list are just too big uh, to, to contend with. So... Shout yeah, out to Mortal Kombat 1, but I'm cutting that out. So, what do you got? Yeah, uh, Chance of Sunar, I think that, you know, it's, that's a game that visually is unique. And, you know, it does a lot with its minimalistic art style. That MC Escher kind of minimalistic approach is super cool. And it does a lot with a little that it has. But ultimately, uh, you know, even though the game, the art style of the game does stand out, in many ways, I don't think this is a game that's going to really uh, stand above any of the other games here on the list. Though I think it, it is beautiful to look at. Um, it, it's not something that I would, you know, want to fight for it at all on this list going forward. Yeah, I um, And another one, let's talk about Standard Fair here. Like a Dragon, Gaiden, the man who raised his name. I think that game looks awesome. I think some of the cutscenes are really well done. Uh, The stuff towards the end with the way the facial animations are emoted, that shit is fucking fire. Excellent HDR for the first time in series history, and it's almost perfect. It's great. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the light reflecting off the the, the road and kind of like... All that stuff is, is amazing to look at. It's just... It doesn't really do anything else to to push that particular series forward in the visual department other than adding those kind of bells and whistles. But again, it's still standard fare, rel- relatively speaking. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, it, it is a beautiful looking game. And man, at night, when those lights start shining out in the streets, man, and the HDR is kicking in, it is gorgeous. Um, so yeah, shouts out to Like a Dragon Gaiden for sure. Um, you, you know what's weird is I'm looking through this list... And 
it's already difficult. It's getting hard already. So I mean, yeah. that's that's the, that's the fun in this is we gotta we gotta pick our favorite children here. Let me let mm-hmm. me throw out a controversial one. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I I think that when I look at Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven Phantom Liberty, I really liked the depiction of Dogtown. I think it does yeah. look distinct uh, in its own way, apart from the rest of Night City. I wouldn't go as far as to call it, you know, a, a drastic night and day difference, though. I do think it looks yeah. cool. It looks believable. But I just think that there's other things that feel a little bit more fresh uh, on the list right now that maybe deserve mm-hmm. more shine than this does. Are you, are you OK with that? Yeah, I, I do like it, though. I, I love the, the kind of like the opulence of like the evil empirical masters, the oh, tower yeah. being in the middle of Dogtown and then yeah. the entire and everything else being poor around it. I love that dichotomy. And I think that's a really interesting art style for Dog City. But it isn't as diverse as the Night City is. So I think that, yeah, for me, uh, if this Cyberpunk were to come out this year as a whole, I think obviously it's a contender. But it's something we've seen before, though I do like what they've done with Dog City for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm good with that cut. Okay. I have another one. I, I, I have another one. Okay. I might. Okay, go ahead. I think, I think this is a good time for Dead Space to... To to Ooh. to leave, and I I think Dead Space is is amazing to look at. I will say though that I think the Ishimura gets a little bit boring to look at after a while. It's very metallic and so, it's very dark and murky. But that just I guess there's just not enough variety there. But it is a very believable place and it does have a sense of place. I just think that after a while it became a little less impressive to me in comparison to some of the other bangers on this list. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man, because some of that, I mean, obviously I played the original and I and I played this one. I didn't I didn't beat or anything, but some of the the visuals with like the the necromorphs, I think they're called oh, in yeah. this game, looks good. Have like that HR Geiger look to them from like Alien. You can de- definitely mm-hmm. like are bored from that for sure. I think that the the remake really does a lot in a way of kind of uh making this game even better than the original. Um, I, I, I'm looking through other games here, and I would agree that it's probably not going to reach our top three. Yeah, well, but it, it may feel like an untimely cut because of how much is how much else is on the list. But I guess I'm just trying to go for for things that I think just don't. I, I just don't think will okay. ultimately be in top three territory. Um, right, I, I, what about I, you? I'm gonna, I'll agree with you on that one. I got two cuts. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and kill my baby here. Star Ocean, the second story R. Mm. There's another game on this list specifically that does that kind of art style even better, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and then I have a controversial one, Marvel Spider-Man 2. I, I I think that game looks really cool. I think it looks really nice. I think some of the stuff that it does with like it's, it's like the Venom stuff is amazing. But I think everything else, again, the, the, the term standard fare comes into play here because it looks like Miles Morales. It looks like the original Spider-Man in 2018, even though it's been remastered. Um, doesn't do anything like extremely different from those three and it's something we've seen before yeah i I think some Um, people are going to probably be upset with that but i i I would contend that it it is a very beautiful update compared to the 2018 game but i and i and i'm not faulting the game for taking place in the same location i'm not saying that either it's just that i do i do feel like there were more creative ways to handle uh some of the the visuals and particularly the art style i think some some of the the suits uh, were were a little were a little awful (laughs) Some of the some of the faces looked a little derpy. I I, I was on record about (laughs) Peter Parker's face not looking the greatest. He doesn't emote very well at all. So I think those things I would say if if you out there might feel away, 
kind of go back and look at his face, man. That, and Mary yeah. Jane, I don't know what happened to man. Homegirl, but she looks and, busted. And Venom looks so awesome. And then his underlings, they're looking, they're unimaginative in their design. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't really like the didn't way they it. look. They almost look like Power Ranger putties. Uh, like, <laughs> they like did. The, <laughs> I didn't so think it, of that. It just, yeah, they, they kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just didn't really, they stood out because how bad they looked. No, and no, there's a lot you. of stuff in this game that just, I think mechanically it does a lot of really amazing things oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the whole fast travel stuff no and, and all that cool stuff. But, but ultimately, yeah, visually it's just not there yeah. for me. No, I'm with you on that one. Okay. Uh, and by the way, we will refresh you guys on, on where we're at in, in a short while. We kind of want to make a few more yeah. cuts and we'll give you an update on where, we, where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I think this is where I would say so long Final Fantasy 16. Um, because yes. for as much as the bombastic sequences look jaw dropping, the, the the lows in terms of like the environments, the swamps, the marshes, this very bland brown, you know, rundown castles and towns, really were not very memorable. And I I would say that even the character designs were also leaving a lot on the table as well, apart from Clive, who was obviously all decked out. I think there was just a very plain Jane aspect of some of the other characters in that game too that was kind of surprising for a Final Fantasy where you kind of expect a much more flamboyant and, and, and stylish-looking cast, and it just wasn't there. Um, yeah. So I, I think that while it does have its wow moments, I think that the 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 usual moment-to-moment stuff didn't really wow me in any kind of way i mean i would say every game that's left on this list has wow moments oh, and of course of so course that we're, we're at a point now where now we have to really start nitpicking but yeah. i do agree I, I have my issues with, with the with level design and the way those stuff that stuff looks and and and, and when you even compare it to final fantasy 15 like the way that these characters like you said are are uh, the way they were created in, in their art style it does seem pretty plain you know that they're going for the royal kind of look to them and they just don't really have much more going for it other than than um than that so yeah that that, I, that was a pretty easy cut that that probably should have been cut a little earlier but um yeah yeah okay you got any ones uh, you got or you want me to yeah, i got another um, one in mind but you can go ahead go go first oh man um, if you need to think, I got one more. I, okay, Forza Motorsport. That was the one is, I was going to say. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I think that it does a lot of cool things visually, um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, um, the it just it it's more of the same stuff. Like those games are consistently awesome. Like they like they all look great. Like if you're gonna anyway, it's like a it's a known thing. If you're gonna release a new console, release a racing game because it's the it's <laughs> it's the one thing that's gonna look awesome. Uh, it's gonna showcase your console. And just for me, it didn't do much else than what it's already done before. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Okay, all right. Um, let me ask you about Street Fighter Six. Let me ask mm-hmm. you about that because I I know the game is beautiful. I know it is. Yeah. But is there are there parts of the game with some of the modes or the created character thing where? Is there anything that feels out of place, or yeah, I guess yeah. in a roundabout way, is is it looking good enough to truly contend for a top three spot? I think where I get hung up with it is the presentation style of it and the art style uh, in total. I think that okay. that stuff is really stands out and it's really like beautiful to look at. But yeah, it's inconsistent because those things really shine in certain modes and they don't shine in others. For example, the single player campaign stuff, um, it doesn't look great. Uh, uh, it doesn't even look 
really good. It doesn't even look good. I don't think it looks just fine. Uh, I think that the character design is is the character creator is very deep, but ultimately every character looks a little off. Uh, they don't look as good as their um, as the actual fighters from the game themselves. There's that you see that 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 difference yeah throughout. So yeah, I I I would say that that you can cut that. It's just for me that art style is so awesome, but it just doesn't uh it just doesn't do much more uh throughout the game in terms of its consistency of its visual fidelity mm. and art style. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's make okay. one more cut. I, I got a controversial we'll one more cut and then I'll do a refresh for the listeners. Okay, perfect. I got a controversial one. Okay. Controversial in that I think that this game does a lot of really cool stuff, but it doesn't look the best. And that's Starfield. Um, I think that when it comes to details and little things, I mean, you pick up everything in this game. You can look at everything in this game in detail. And that stuff is amazing. Each of those things have its own kind of physics engine as well. And so, like, it, 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 it you can do so much with those little details. In that game, when you look at everything that's on a desk or anything, it's, it's astonishing. It really is. Just, like, the level of, 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 of attention to detail that they put into those things is great. The problem is is everything else (laughs) not that it looks bad it just doesn't look great you know a lot of the a lot of the uh you know when you look at somebody when you're talking to them and does that thing where it just closes up on their face that should look like incredible and it doesn't it looks like it looks like animatronics yeah if they're going to if they're going to zoom in on your face if they're going to do that thing where they're it's like it's all you see i would expect them to, to make those interactions next level and they just they just aren't, and it's yeah. it's like ninety percent of the game, uh, so yeah, yeah. That, that that would be a cut. I agree. Mm-hmm. I love the the NASA punk aesthetic. I think it's really oh, really so cool. Nice. Um, but I think some of those characters, I can't I, I can't deny they look derpy. Uh, they really do. And when yeah. they look, you look at them up close, the expressions, the lip syncing is really good. Uh, very good yeah. lip syncing, but. At the end of the day, I mean, some <laughs> it's of them... Not going on, it's not going on up here. No, They're dead in those eyes. And it's very stiff. It's just very stiff. They yeah. don't animate. They just stand there in, in one normal position. And I think other games that we uh, have seen in, in, in you know this year have done a much better job of creating characters that, that move and animate much more human-like compared to, to good old Starfield. So I think some of the creakiness of the, the dated... Um, you know, formula definitely showed through in, in some of those ways with presentation. So I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, let me put one of my babies out the pasture. Um, I really love Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. Oh, I think it no is way. a fantastic looking uh, art style. It's so believable. It feels so plausible despite the art style being the way it is. Um, I I don't have a lot of complaints against it. I just don't think that at the end of the day um i have a hard time seeing this hitting top three with some of the other ones that we're probably saving the most conversations about for last Um, i don't agree i don't agree with it being cut right now i I feel like it does a lot with what it has i'm not disagreeing Uh, with you but yeah i know exactly and you you said yourself that you don't know there's not a lot lot there for, for you to complain about i would i would I would sooner cut Star Wars Jedi Survivor or Hogwarts uh, Hogwarts Legacy before I would I, I would even touch Oxenfree Two. Okay. Now, my reason for Survivor is the fact that I think that game is amazing looking. I think when it comes to its visual aesthetic, it's great. I think graphically, it's a powerhouse of a game, but it doesn't really. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in that game that just doesn't really resonate. Like it's not like when I think about visual aesthetics, I don't think about that game. It has that Star Wars aesthetic, sure, but 
other than that, there's just a lot of stuff there that just doesn't really uh, stick with Some you. Some of like, those planets are like, pretty forgettable. Yeah, yeah. And, and it just like when it has that sticking factor, when I mm-hmm. think about Oxenfree, obviously I think about the narrative, I think about the, the sound and all that good stuff that we'll talk about later. But the visual art style is something that I also attach to this game. It is, it's unique and it's, and it's in the way it looks. And I just, I love, I love that visual aesthetic. Oh, I do too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and now my argument for Hogwarts, like Hogwarts, Hogwarts, <laughs> Hogwarts Legacy is kind of the same thing I have with Starfield in that some of those things like like Hogwarts, the, the school itself. Oh, my God. So painstakingly, it's Yeah. Just kind of made to look like what we've seen in, in film and what was described to us in the books. But it, it, it kind of suffers from that outside of that nice character animation. Nice fluidity and it's in it and it's kind of like it's tech with 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 the wand spells and all that stuff, but it just doesn't stand up to the to the games on here. Okay, well we'll make that cut too. I'm I'm okay with yeah. that. Now let me refresh the listeners really mm-hmm. quick here. Uh, we have Alan Wake two, Hi Fi Rush, Lies of P, Octopath Traveler two, Oxenfree two, Resident Evil four, Tears of the Kingdom, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Um. Let let me propose Octopath Traveler 2. I know it's beautiful. It's beautiful in much the same way as the first game was. Um, It it does some things a little bit cleaner and and, and crispier, as I like to say. Is it really going to conquer um, some of the other contenders on this list, though? It's another game that I think about, and the first thing that I think about is visuals. I think that those visuals are, it's unique. I think that, again, the cinematic aspect of that game, even though that art style doesn't usually lend itself to a cinematic kind of experience, is kind of astounding. But I think a lot of that has to do with other parts of the game as well. Uh, And like you said, uh, it's not necessarily unique because the previous game and even triangle strategy also kind of looked uh, a lot like it. So I would say if this were the first time we would see a game that looked like Octopath Traveler, it would probably be on there. It's just, I think that the other games on this list are definitely better looking games. All right. So that brings us down to seven games left. We got to get this down to three. So um, um, what are you thinking here? I mean, we're, we're kind of, we, okay. we kind of just talked about, Oxen Free Two looking a lot like Oxen Free. Uh, Oxen Free Two. I'm sorry. Um, Octopath Traveler Two looking a lot like Octopath Traveler One. How do we feel about Tears of the Kingdom at this point? Is it the same kind of <sighs> deal? I mean, I know it does things different. It's got the the depths. It's got the sky stuff. It does have certain areas that that look you know unique where bosses boss battles happen with the dungeons. So it's not a total one for one thing. But it does share a lot in common with Breath of the Wild visually uh, and, and in terms of the map. So do we feel like the same potential rule applies here is my open-ended question. Well, Octopath Traveler 2 doesn't really add anything new to its design. Um, I think that the new design of Link, Zelda, Ganondorf, uh, Raru, and, and, and kind of things like the, the Wind Temple boss... Uh, are things that we didn't see in the original game. And and the Zonai and how they're kind of uh, designed, that stuff really stands out to me. Um, and though art style is very similar, I do think that it does a lot 
different from its predecessor in in many aspects um but it is i don't know it is it, i don't know well I, we, we haven't I'm, talked about everything on the list yet so why don't we kind of get okay. through some other things what about lies of p i think lies of p is, is another great great looking game um apart from having zero lip syncing uh which is becoming my Achilles heel of, of, of this year. Um, yeah. I think it's a great looking game. I think the art style is, is really nice. It recontextualizes the story of Pinocchio uh, artistically in a way that I really appreciated. Um, there were some areas of that game that looked a little repetitive or just not very memorable. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that every location that you go to in that game was truly a wow moment per se, whereas I think maybe we feel a little bit more wowy about other things on the list. So I'm just looking for uh, I'm yeah. looking for an inroad here to make it cut. So does this one have that? Yeah, potential? I mean, I think it has potential to be cut. I, I like the neo gothic art style. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of recreates what Bloodborne did, and I think that's kind of where I'm at. It, it it recreates an art style that Bloodborne really perfected, and it matches that. In some aspects, in other aspects, it falls a little short. So even in that sense, it isn't the best neo-gothic art style game out there. So I would say I do like it. I like the the puppet design and how those characters move based on that specifically. But ultimately, when we're looking at other games on this list, I think that's I think that's a that's the cut we got to go. All right. Yeah. All these cuts are going to be begrudging from here on. Um, So that brings us down to six games. We got to cut three more. Um, let's talk. Um, let's talk. Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, this game was pretty stunning artistically, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I really loved the 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 comic style, the vibrant color scheme. Yeah. It just felt very very vibrant and alive, and it was refreshing. Uh, you know, when when everything is trying to be hyper hyper realistic, this kind of came in at the start of the year and was like, no, we're just gonna kind of have fun and and. Um, I think the way they they use you know the visual language of the game to kind of inform the sound aspect of the game, I think was done really well. Uh, along with everything else, um, I have issues with other parts of the game. Um, I do think some of the level design was a little lacking in certain spots, um, which I think yeah, was is a my... factor here. But I think it's beautiful though. Yeah, that's kind of my that's kind of my my takeaway about Hi-Fi Rush. I think the sequential art style, the whole comic book looking thing is really amazing. I love the 3D, 2D animation yeah. of it all and how that's designed. I just think that each level you're in, that's the level. And it doesn't really, you know, it just repeats itself a lot in, in, its, in, in that sense. Uh, so I think that when you look at other games here on the list, I think that they do... I'm not going to say more, but I think they just are a little more consistent throughout. And okay. Yeah. So we haven't spoken about two games here. That's Alan Wake 2 and Resident Evil 4. I what What's your take on Resident Evil 4 uh, and being on, on here? I mean, I, I think uh, one of the biggest testaments to Resident Evil remakes being so great is that they are quite visually arresting uh, at times. And I think the RE engine has been... Uh, a tank for Capcom for quite some time. These games always oh, look yeah. really, really uh, high res and very clean. Um, I think that the atmosphere of the game um, was brought over and enhanced incredibly well compared to the original. Um, I, I don't have any real 
gripes with the game's visuals at all. Um, and the few things that are little nitpicks are things you can toggle on and off, like chromatic aberration and things like that. Um, so I, I don't have too many complaints about it. Maybe it's not the most interesting uh, in terms of art style, and maybe it's more, it maybe it skews more just pure nice visuals instead. Um, yeah. So I can see, it, I can see it to... getting cut for that reason. But, but yeah, but then again, that's kind of where we have to, with this list and, and with this category and the way we've built it, uh, we have to kind of always, every year, not struggle, but kind of take visual and art style and, and kind of separate those two things and then, you know, does the art style of one game mm-hmm. supersede just the pure powerhouse graphical output of a game? And I don't think any game on here can outmuscle that game just on fidelity alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think it might be a lock for me. Okay. Um, just because that game can look beautiful and disgusting and vibrant and dark all in like a span of, of five minutes. Agreed. You know, it's, it's just, it's, and then we could talk about redundancies like resident evil two and three looking just as good. But I think what, what four brings to the table, it's just the sense of place that, that location and, and, and everything they do with that character, with enemy design and, and, you know, and that, that final boss and, disgusting looking it just there's so much happening here at all times that i feel like this game is is for my in my money visually in terms of just graphical output the best of the year in my opinion um so i i would almost say this is a lock for me okay all right then so i mean you know i i, I nominated oxen free 2 i nominated tears of the kingdom <laughs> So okay, I, I don't I so, don't mean to make you the bottleneck here, but but where where do you want to go? Do you think Wonder? Uh, okay. you, let's talk about Wonder. What's going on yeah. there? Yeah, Wonder is just beautiful, man. I think the art style of uh, Super Mario's Wonder is kind of I've never seen a two D animation game go that hard when it comes to its animation, because obviously you have what you would expect from a Mario 2D side-scrolling game, uh, but then take that to the next level with the Wonder Seed stuff and the way that it completely changes the visual aesthetic of a level in a way that sometimes you expect and sometimes you don't expect. Like, there's some levels that completely change, not only the gameplay, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Just kind of the way it looks, the way Mario looks, the way the, the design of the level completely changes in a way that is is visually arresting. Um, I think I really think Mario uh, Super Mario Bros. Wonder belongs on this list for right now. I think if I'm, I'm if I'm being honest with myself here, I th- would probably I, I would probably go Tears of the Kingdom as the next cut. Um, I just think when I'm looking at everything else on here, uh, everything else is just better. Yeah, uh, I, I I think Tears of the Kingdom was a a cut for me too, so I, I have no objections there. Um, that brings us down to Alan Wake, Oxen Free 2, Resident Evil 4, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Um, um, we've already talked about the three out of the four. Uh, to me, I think Alan Wake 2 is a lock as well. Um, yeah. I think that's just the, the amount of things they do on the artistic side of the spectrum, the how they integrate FMV videos into the gameplay, um, the sense of atmosphere in the dark place, uh, and in Saga's... Um, 
missions as well. Uh, the lived in feel of that whole world, um, the way that it just feels so believable and plausible as a location, um, the, the, the unsettling nature that comes through in the presentation as well. I think it all just coalesces, um, in, in almost a perfect fashion. So I think that's a lock yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Okay. Uh, I think I'll wait. I think it's really here between, uh, wander and, 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 and oxen free to lost signals. You've already offered up oxen free to, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant into, into it, this was never going to be easy, right? The, the, we're talking about what people are calling one of the best years in, in, in video games. And that, uh, you know, that is also applies to visuals. A lot yeah. of beautiful games this year. Um, I'm going to go. Uh, I think Oxen Freak 2 can go now. Um, <laughs> okay. It's because, it, I mean, it's just for me, like one of those things where I'm looking at the other three that are on this list and it, it wasn't, it wasn't like easy. I, I, it's just, no, I, I kind of talked myself back into wonder, you know? Okay. Well, we got our three, yeah. but now we got to rank them. So who would you say is third place here? Who's, who's at the bottom in your opinion? I think since it was kind of the, the, the one that almost got cut, I think Mario bros, uh, wonder should be number three. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair. I would say that, well, that would put us between RE4 and, and Alan Wake two then. So, Who's who's taking this home? I I'll tell you right now. I think it's Alan Wake. That's just me. Um, I I think yeah. I think Resident Evil Four is an incredible game to look at, but um, the, the, no. I think Alan Wake Two yeah. takes so many big swings visually. On top of other things, they do in other aspects of the game, but visually, I just think it takes so many big swings and it lands uh, almost all of them on the visual side in in a way that I oh, was yeah. really astonished with. Um, I would say that the dark place stuff, uh, kind of like the that visual aesthetic they had on there, it, it wore a little thin on me. It kind of looked like it, it had a little bit of like, like my glasses were dirty and I was like trying to <laughs> squint through some stuff. It, it, well, that's it, just the cataracts, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you, man. I think, <laughs> I think Alan Wake 2 uh, takes it uh, pretty easily. I, 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 we don't like to come into these things already having a winner in mind, but I definitely thought Alan Wake 2 would, would be one or two for me here. Yeah. I figured it'd be in the three. Uh, that we that we'd end up with, I just didn't know where though. Um, but I am I am actually yeah. surprised about RE4 and Mario Brothers Wonder being on the list. But but uh, I think we have it, man. So the winner of the award for best visuals slash art style is none other than Alan Wake Two, with second place going to Resident Evil Four and third place going to Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Congratulations to all the winners. Uh, now, time to talk about best sound, Pablo. These are the games that excelled in most or all aspects of sound, including music, ambiance, detail, voice acting, and etc. The nominees are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly, Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, Dead Space, Final Fantasy 16. Forza Motorsport, Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts Legacy, Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Octopath Traveler 2, Resident Evil 4, Star Ocean, The Second Story R, Starfield, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, The Expanse, A Telltale Series, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and Super Mario Bros. Wonder. 
very familiar list of nominees here. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of exceptions, but uh, this should be an interesting one because sound is always a, a kind of a wild card category for us. Never really yeah. know for sure where it's going to end up. So, um, Pablo, let's get aggressive. Let's let's try to let's try to do some some dual cuts each if you can. Yeah. Um, anything comes to mind for you, or you want me to go first? Yeah, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. I think that game is consistently always good when it comes to the sound department. Yep. You know, the way the guns sound, all that good stuff. But, you know, it, we it's kind of like one of those things where we're, we're taking it for granted, but it is what it is. It, it's always good, but it's... It's, it's not a remarkably it, good type of thing. It's just, right, right, you know, right, right, right. expectedly exactly. good. Uh, <laughs> second game on here, um, I, I would say... Uh, I would say Like a Dragon Guy didn't the man who erased his name. I mm. think that a lot of the music on that shit is awesome. I think, obviously, we don't speak Japanese, but I think that the voice acting, you can even realize, you can notice the emotion coming out of that and in, in, in a lot of the way that, that that game is performed. I think it's 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 great. They're always good, but it doesn't stand above or beyond any of the games on the list. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. Um, let me throw a few out there. I'll say uh, Coffee Talk Episode 2 hibiscus and butterfly uh Ooh, it, so it nice. lives and dies by its music because it doesn't have anything else in terms of voice acting or anything like that a couple of ambient effects with like the rain but uh the music is very soothing and it's <sighs> it's very fitting for the 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 atmosphere of i love of, i love the rain it's so I, it just good, feels dude. so cozy ah, yeah but I, I agree yeah but i just think it's not as dynamic as other things here uh, and in a similar vein, I think Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, I hate to get it out so early again for the second oh, category wow. in a row, but uh, the soundtrack is exactly what you want out of a spiritual successor to Jet Set Radio. Uh, I have some of those songs saved on my computer and my phone, um, and for good reason. Is it as good? Oh, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. But um, I think other aspects of, of the, the game's sound design could have been done a little bit better. Um, I think some of the, the ambient... Yeah, there's no voice acting. It's just like dialogue and hearing somebody oh, go, God. yo. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Yo. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll get rid of that. Um, that's my two. Um, okay. And no, through no fault of his own, um, Cyberpunk 2077, Fan of Liberty, the original game, the soundtrack of that game is fucking fire. And, and this game is no different from that. It's just it does use a lot of the same stuff uh, from the uh, previous game. So. We can get yeah, that that's totally out of fine. here. That's totally fine. Um, again, kill my baby. Star Ocean, the second story. Are I? I there, there's a thing happening with with these JRPGs that those that music sounds so grandiose and so amazing, but they start to kind of all bleed in together in terms of how they sound. And I feel like a lot of what uh, what uh, that game is trying to do is emulate other games that it is inspired by and it just doesn't do it as good a job as final fantasy games and whatnot but so i'll go ahead and um and and take that out of there though the the the, the orchestra re-recording of the entire kind of soundtrack good. is amazing yep yeah but it's it's there are other games on here that do exactly that if not better oh yeah no for sure i'm rolling with yeah. that okay um i'm gonna say the expanse a telltale series um mm-hmm Good voice acting from, you know, the the character from the show who uh, reprised her role for this game uh, as Kamina Drummer. Really good job. Um, other characters were fine. Um, and I guess that's the best I can say about it. Um, the ambient noise of, of the, the spaceship was okay. The clings and clangs while you're scavenging around deer like ships is fine. But uh, I don't... Oh, scavenging. It, it, it also, yeah. It also... What did I say? Scavenging, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I was okay. like, that was so much... Ugh. 
that was yeah yeah that was a whole other issue but uh, yeah. i just think it's it, it it was okay it was okay sound uh it for overall nothing terrible just nothing that would really stand out above uh the rest of the competition here so shouts out to the expanse to make him dance um <laughs> no reason for that at all there's a reason um all right it's gonna get a little tricky from here but um well let me let me let me let me get the trickiness out of it real quick jedi survivor star wars jedi survivor love the way that game sounds the voice acting is superb okay uh the, the, with the when the star wars themes come on and all that good stuff the lightsaber all that shit sounds good again not something that's unique it's something that's been done before uh, it's not a standout. I'm with you. Yep. Um, okay. Final Fantasy 16. Mm. It's tough, man, because so the music is good. Some of the voice acting is good, like Sid, for instance. The, the, That's it for me. The OG Sid, that is. Um, yeah. I uh, the the map music is is a bop, but I don't know. I think I think some of the voice acting was pretty flat. I think some of the, oh, uh, I, I didn't like Clive's performance. We've talked about that in the past too. I don't. It's dry. I don't understand. It's a bad girl. And I hate. And I. I hate to be this guy, but I don't understand the boner for Ben Starr. I don't think, I, through no fault of his own, <laughs> I just think his character was written flat. I think he's flat as I. He did the best he could really, with what he got. But yeah, still, yeah, yeah. Which just, is commendable, yeah. but it's not good. And some of the villains, the, the the main villain of the game was it's it was pretty it was pretty bad. Um, so I, I wasn't in love with the sound here, but some of the music was like, oh my God, this is pretty epic, but it just, some of it didn't carry the game the way that I think other games benefited from through their sound design, if that makes sense. That, that, that theme music is, uh, it's fucking fire. Oh, it is. It is. But top three fire. I, I I don't think so. (sighs) Yeah, we can get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I got... I got a controversial one that I think you, you might fight me on because I know you've spoken about it. Uh, you, you've spoken highly of, of the sound design of this game in particular. That's Marvel Spider-Man 2. Um, not with, really. Uh, no, not really. No, okay. Because I think that the city ambiance is fucking great. great. I think that the Venom voice acting is amazing. Even um, even Craven's voice acting. I think everybody's voice acting is, 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 is pretty good. Um, I just don't think it, it does anything... Great in music wise, I can't really. I know there's some stuff, some music that sounds pretty good. I just I can't really. There's nothing iconic about the soundtrack, in my opinion. So yeah, I think that that can go. I have no objection to that. Actually, it's it's a very well done game from a sound standpoint. 3D audio is really good. Uh, the city feels alive, but it's again we're looking for three positions here. So it's it's never going to be easy getting down to three. And, and games that are as well designed from a sound standpoint as that one is that. Them's the breaks, man. That's how it is. So we, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Tough call, but we had to do it. Um, I don't want to be unfair to Forza Motorsport because it's a racing game. I, I hate the notion of it just sounds like cars. You know, I, I hate that I because hate that. the amount of effort that it takes to make those those cars sound accurate, depending on like your camera, are you, are you in the cockpit, are you out? Like the the sound of other cars and and just the the clangs and the you know all the all the things that come along with the racing in, in a way that's so informative to your um your race I think comes through so so well and the 3D audio in this is is terrific as well. Do we think and I'm not saying this is a cut, but do we think it really has a, a chance at cracking top three or do we need to kind of 
rip the proverbial bandaid off again and say, you know what, this might have to go. Yeah, get the get that bandaid and the stitches out of here. Oh. Um, I I think the the sound design of that game is awesome. Sure, but it's not gonna co- it's not gonna compete. It's just not going to. And there were other ways that it could have excelled in sound too. Like there could have been better music in the in the menus. There could have been mm-hmm. more going on in terms of spoken dialogue to kind of mm-hmm. guide you guide you through the experience. And it didn't really have yeah. any of that. It was very it was a what I've called the you know plain baked potato uh, of yeah, racing yeah, yeah. games. Whereas Gran Turismo's got like sprinkles and paper clips in it for no reason. You're like, why is this here? I was gonna say. <laughs> Grand Turismo was not a game that I played, but I I know that the museum stuff in that game is like is, it's insanely is awesome. cool, dude. There. Oh man, yeah, yeah. But shout out to Forza though, still still a good sounding game. Uh, okay, let me let me let me briefly refresh the listeners. We got ahead, we're down yeah. to Alan Wake two, Baldur's Gate three, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts Legacy, Octopath Traveler two, Resident Evil four, Starfield, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. What do you got? I can't th- remember, think of of any iconic sound, music, or even performance from Hogwarts Legacy. I think all that stuff is good. I, in terms of how I remember, especially the voice acting, but in but like overall, I think it's 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 middle of the pack on this list. It's a tough one, man. I love the sound in this game. the The music, I think, is perfect for the whimsical, wizarding vibe of the game. Uh, some of the chimes that happen when you, um, you know, find certain things in that game just sounds so gratifying. The spells each sound believable and 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 good. Uh, I do think the vocal performances of the actors and actresses were really well done. Um, I will say. Um, if it, it might be missing that sense of like gravitas of that other games on this list have. So I don't mind cutting it. Um, maybe it's a little premature than I would like, but I think ultimately it won't be in the top three anyway. So I'm willing to make that concession now. Um, but yeah, still a great sounding game in my opinion. Okay. Let me, let me throw, let me, let me throw some, some chicken grease on the, the fire. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's a saying or not, but we're just going to go with that. How do you feel about getting ready Starfield here? How do you feel about that? Because I mean, um, the, the the music to me was fine. It was this. It was the swooping score you kind of would expect from this type of thing. It, so it checked the box, but I don't think it really blew me away. The voice acting, I think, all was serviceable, but there was a bit of a flatness and a, sort of a a lack of range in a lot of those performances. Um, I think some of the the the, amb- the ambient sounds of being in certain towns and cities felt a bit fake in in a way that um, stood out to me. Um, I guess of all the things that I liked about Starfield, the sound was probably on the lowest end of the, the totem pole for me. So I, I don't know if anything was really remarkable enough uh, in that category of the game. Yeah, I, I agree. I, okay. I agree with everything you said. I, I I like that game, and I think that the sound is fine. But it, that's, you know, it's not it, the thing that you talk that. about when you talk about Starfield. It's like, oh man, when you no. remember hearing when you know that's not some no, of these other was, games. It's 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 part of it's so embedded in being able to yeah, appreciate I mean, the there experience. Was, there was the the like mission, the quest complete jingle that was satisfying, and and 
Um, yeah. Some of the the sounds of the ship and all that was really was really dope. Uh, I think that the gun sounds and all that was also good. I think some performances were really good, but not consistent. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a good cut here. Okay. Oh, Talk to me, bro. Man. Talk to me, man. I think there's a redundancy on the list. That's Dead Space and Resident Evil 4. Mm. I think they both do the same thing. I think sound really amplifies the ambiance, the the, the scariness of the game. Uh, but I think when we're looking at the top three, I think it's either if any of these two even make the top three, I think it's one or the other. Um, so I, I kind of want to throw it back at you. I, I, I you've played both. Uh, uh, you you like both very much. Uh, do you think one of these stand out beyond one another in terms of its sound? I do. I think I think Dead Space is the better sounding game. However, okay. honestly, I would be okay if we cut both. Okay. Because I I, I still think that as for for as great as they both are. Um, I'm much more fascinated by the sound design from the other games. But if I had to keep one on the list, it would be Dead Space. So what are you thinking? Should we just cut both? Or do you want to keep Dead Space in contention a little no, that, while more? Talk through other things? What do you want to do? No, I think I think, I think think both do the same thing. Okay. And I, and I, even though Dead Space is better than, than RE4, according to you. Um, Sound-wise. I, I agree with that, by the way. Uh, I think that they both can go. Okay. Um, that brings us down to six so, now. That's Alan Wake, Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate, Hi-Fi, Octopath, Zelda, Mario. What are we doing? It's two people on this show. So, And, and if one of us haven't played the game, if, if it's a little difficult to kind of drag Marco along the journey here of like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, I think that the music in this game is awesome. I think the sound effects are great. Um, I love everything about the way this game sounds, but if I'm being honest, I I I have other games on this list that I want to champion more for this category. Okay, fair cut. So we, I'll take your word. Now, Marco, are we going to stand on ceremony here? We never and do that because c- I think Alan do? Wake Two is one of the best games when it comes to sound design. Yes. However, well documented on this show, um, are we going to fault it at all for its for its for its sound issues when it comes to a technical uh, problem with the game? Because yeah, even let's... though the performances stand out, they're still there. The music is still there. There were moments in that game, even through my playthrough, where the sound cut out. There were certain aspects, you know, it take the performance gets stripped away a little bit when the lip syncing is way the fuck off. Uh, Saga Anderson's voice actress, <laughs> her in and out, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a performance thing. Her internet accent coming in, uh, you know, uh, Saga Anderson, <laughs> like what a brick, you know. Oh man, but. When it comes to the music of this game, the fucking bangers in between oh each of those chapters, God. the FMV stuff, the the moment that we'll talk about a little later on the show, um, the the sound effects, the the the, the thing, the ambiance, it is, it is just it's the six six five mission. It is just it's it's amazing. Let, let me even, let me let me let me just go ahead and answer your question. I'm not going to hold the bugs against this game at all, actually, yeah. because and the reason why is because it wasn't their intention 
for bugs to be in the game. The, the intended experience in terms of sound design um, was incredibly well thought out. And even though there's bugs that 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 compromise some portions of it, the the intended experience sound wise, I think I would even go as far as to say it's a lock. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you said that because I was so scared that I'm I was going to have to fight for this no, game. No, no, no. I would not do that. I would, I would not do that. No. The, you're, you're, you nailed it. The music in between chapters is just, I mean, some of them were like, I need to find this now. <laughs> I let it ride. Every time it happened, I just sat there and I was just, I let it. Oh, that, oh my God. You kidding me? Yeah, it was, yeah. it was that. Another level, man. Different level. Um, Let me, let me, oh boy. Let me. Don't do it. Let me throw a controversial one in this bitch. I want to talk about Hi-Fi Rush. Okay. Oof. I want to talk about Hi-Fi because I think that it's awesome what it's doing. It's it's sound design the game, essentially, right? The rhythmic action, blah, blah, blah. We get that. I thought some of the generic rock songs that you get as you're proceeding through the missions were really bland and boring. Um the licensed music, like from Nine Inch Nails and from you know all these other bands or whatever, those were cool. But I craved so much more of that. But like ninety percent of that game's sound is just like the stuff they did in house, which wasn't terrible, but it was just very like rock and roll. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's all. That's all it was. And um, it was like arena, arena rock. Stuff. That's all. Yeah, it was just super bland. Yeah. It was like a, you know, it was like a cover band got up there and did, did just just riff, and they're like, it's like okay, that riff was. Really- I, I half expected uh, Chris Jericho to be like, all right. <laughs> so okay, I- and I'll also say, aside from the music, I think some of the voice acting was, it was strong, it was solid, but it was it was a little bit, a little bit chintzy and campy and corny intentional obviously but just some of it wasn't really like oh man that was like when he delivered that line it was man that really got me there it just felt a little bit okay in that sense i think what makes hi-fi rush special is the fact that it is a rhythm based action game the rhythm part of it how you can fight with rhythm of the music amplifying your hits and all that good that's what makes Hi-Fi Rush special to me. However, the music in which you're playing to and in beat yep. of it, that's not that that suffer. That's not it's not always consistently great. And that's that's kind of something I, I kind of had to think about. It's like, but Hi-Fi Rush's music, the game, sound design, the game. Mm-hmm. Yes, the design of it is fantastic. However, the backdrop in which I am doing my combos in tempo with is not always good. No. In fact, I think at times is bad. So much so that I can't really remember a lot of the stuff in that game outside of Nine Inch Nails and and, and, and other the more uh, obvious good music in, in the game itself. And I definitely agree here. Um, that was something I wanted to bring up. I was going to wait till you did it because I, I don't <laughs> think this game really... To be completely bla- honest, I don't think it stands a chance. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I would. I, I wanted to keep it on here out of respect for what they did, uh, making sound such a priority. But I think in the end, um, these other games that we have left on the list just meant more in terms of sound. Which, speaking yeah. of which, we're down to Alan Wake Two, Baldur's Gate Three, Octopath Traveler Two, and Tears of the Kingdom. We have one more cut to make, Pablo, before we get to three. 
what's that cut going to be here? Um, we haven't talked a lot about Zelda or Octo yet, or, or Baldur's, Baldur's Gate. <laughs> so okay, let's tackle this briefly and let's make a decision here. Baldur's Gate three uh, is amazing in the sound department. Yeah, as well. it is. I I I think just the, the the voice acting alone just put that off to the side, which is fantastic. The narrator fantastic mm. the music the 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 theme the Baldur's gate theme amazing the music that plays throughout and there's different variations of the theme that play in certain uh, uh areas of the game it, it's it's just it's so much part of the experience and it's good it's really really good that i feel like Baldur's gate 3 is a lock for I, me I, I just this is why we're friends it's just it's astonishing, yeah, you, really. On, yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about the game, like the design of the game and the way you can play the game. And that's also great. But the sound, the, the the voice acting, how you can pretty much speak to anybody and they have a and they have an actual uh, a spoken line and it's good, you know, is, is kind of ridiculous. Yep. You know, nope, I'm with the, you. So that brings us down to what we got to cut either Octopath or Zelda now. What you think? What do you, I propose that we talk about Tears of the Kingdom as a possible cut. Mm. Um, but talk to me about Octopath Traveler three a little bit. Two, um, two. Sorry, I I think that when I think back about all the music I've heard in JRPGs, um, this soundtrack is by far in the top five ever that I've ever heard in my life. And I played I I played all the ones you'd wonder if I played all of them, um, from way back. This is a top fiver for me. Some of it was just like, it was literally, I'm going to put the controller down and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to absorb this music. And I, that doesn't happen to me very often. Um, I was astonished at how, not only how good the music was, but how fitting it was for wherever I happened to be in, in the game. Um, I will say, though, on the voice acting side, a little bit weak. Um the delivery of dialogue, I think, is fine. It's serviceable. It's cool. It's not bad. It's just it's it's cool. Um, I'm not saying Zelda's is any better. In fact, I think that's a very weak link of Zelda's sound too. So I think they're <laughs> weak link. Good one. Aha! I think they cancel each other out in that <laughs> regard, right? Um, what I like about Zelda is Zelda knows when to to make its presence known sound wise and when to pull back and let you just absorb the world and hear the wind and hear the rain and hear the lightning. Um, and I really appreciate that. It lets me kind of connect with the world in a better way. Whereas I think Octopath is striving for something very traditional in the JRPG sense where we're always going to have music playing, no matter what you're doing. There's always going to be music. There's never going to be a quiet moment unless it's like a meaningful dialogue point uh, that happens um, once in a while. Otherwise, I, I think it doesn't really know restraint as well as Zelda does. So honestly, I, I can go either way here. Um, I can go so, either way. So what do you think? Earlier when I talked about visuals about Octopath Traveler in terms of it kind of delivering a really cinematic experience, even though it didn't look like a game that would do that 
I was referring to the sound because I think even the voice acting, I, I do think that the voice acting is, isn't great, but it's serviceable to the situation in which it's, it's trying to kind of convey, right? You know, something happens in the game where someone loses family members and the voice acting there works, but really what works there is the music and then no music and kind of like how it uses sound as well to kind of, accentuate a certain cinematic moments in a way that I really wasn't expecting and how every character has kind of their own theme and how every town and every place like the hinterlands, the, the, the bad, whatever, all those other places, they have their own unique sound to them. And yeah. it adds to the experience in such a way that I feel like it, it's, it's the game the game Octopath Traveler 2 might not come to you as music design the game, but I think it uses it in such a powerful way it does. that yeah. it really, it really just makes this game what it is. And it really adds to it. And what could have been just a fair, it could have been just another one of those traditional JRPG, um, uh, soundtracks that 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 we've we've heard over and over which is grand and amazing orchestral and all that good stuff but i think the design of of of, of sound in octopath travel 2 is kind of incredible as for tears of the kingdom i i, I kind of have a lot of the same things to say about the game my only problem with tears of the kingdom is that not even a problem is that it does recycle some uh some yes, sounds from the That's previous a game great point uh, great point even some themes, the chimes, um, yeah, all that stuff. The chimes, the menu stuff mm -hmm. that I love, and I think the tactile feeling of that stuff is awesome. But it's not new to the experience. Uh, the Tears of the Kingdom, that the central that theme, is, 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 oh. I think it's a, I think it's one of the best themes of any Zelda game. Ever. And I think if we're gonna, if we had a category for best theme, Tears of the Kingdom might might take it because it is amazing oh, when they add everybody. saxophone stuff in there. It's just, uh, it's incredible. Um, but even the ambiance, like the thunder and all that stuff, which is, I, I, I always, I'm a sucker for that stuff in games where it's like raining and stuff. I, I find comfort in that. And I think that that's awesome, but also was in Breath of the Wild. Um, I don't know. I, I think for me, we're, we're down to the four and, and I think we've given Tears of the Kingdom its flowers in that, in that aspect. But I think Octopath Traveler yeah, 2. You kind of sold me it, on Octopath. It's just, it's so much better. Yeah in that sense so yeah. that's our three now we got to rank them i think octopath since it kind of eked in at the end there maybe that's third place yeah yeah okay so that makes us come down to alan wake 2 versus Baldur's gate 3 that's a fight right there Whew. i i i know where i'm going do you want do you know where you're going no actually um I so I think it, okay. Oh, go for it. Could, I got Alan Wake two at number one. I just think it's so much more dynamic. Um, it may not be blemish free in certain aspects, like the you know Saga's voice actor, blah blah blah. Um, but I think that what it does um, in terms of atmosphere in the dark place and in the real world, the music in between chapters, the 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 mission that shall not be named until later. Um, Sound is so in, in, engraved and seared into this game in such a way that it was something I was actively looking forward to every time I played a new chapter of that game. Like, what are they going to do in the sound department now? Um, what are they going to do to make things sound unsettling and mysterious and weird? And um, what are they going to do with like the nature aspect of this place? And how are they going to get me involved in that immersion factor? And I think they just checked all those boxes 
multiple times over. Whereas I think Baldur's Gate 3, while I take zero away from it, I think that if I have to split hairs, which I think we're going to have to do, the, yeah. the, the, I think the voice acting, that's 10 out of 10. I have no issues there. I I like the music. I don't love the music. It, to me, it, it can get to kind of standard fare territory for me for fantasy Western RPG type of style, which it's supposed to do. I'm not expecting you know, drill music or anything like that. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to hear a little Dirk pull up here. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do think that um, it's, again, it's the dynamism of Alan Wake 2 um, that I think really pushes itself over that, that edge for me personally. Yeah. I agree. I, I, cause if I'm, I'm, I'm comparing in my head, like, okay, the music, Alan Wake 2. Or Baldur's Gate. Alan Wake 2 takes that. Like, the voice acting in Baldur's Gate 3 is... There's there's not a game that came out this year that can compete. Um, but, yeah. No, I, I I agree. I think that's it. I think Alan Wake is the winner. And I think Baldur's Gate is number two here. For all the reasons you said. I don't I don't even need to add anything on that. I, I, I really like that's, this that's, list. That, the, the, I think we picked the right ones, though. I, I love that Octopath yeah. is here. I really like that Octopath made it. Um, yeah. It, I mean, look. I, I, think, I think if we had all day... We can go through each of these and really like. Oh yeah, yeah. Alan Wake two, Alan Wake, Baldur's and Octopath. It isn't clear winner one, two, and three. I think any other day, where if we like again, if we had hours to kind of go deep dive into each of these, we could come up with these three in different positions. No doubt. Yeah. If if anyone were to yeah. say that one of these three was their number one, I'd be like, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yeah. That's how much yeah. I love. But all I like this. This is. Yeah, yeah. This was great. This was one of the rare ones I think where I think that if we could, we give all three the the winner spot. Hundred percent here yeah. because I think they're all that good. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of best sound goes to Alan Wake Two, with second place going to Baldur's Gate Three and third place going to Octopath Traveler Two. All right, Pablo. It is time to move on to yes. our next category here. And that category is best new content. This is a brand new category that we're doing this year. Uh, And this is a category where we are going to celebrate the best new expansions, modes, seasonal content, or noteworthy add-ons that launched in 2023. And the nominees are Battlefield 2042 Season 6 Dark Creations. Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, plus the 2.0 and 2.1 updates. Fortnite OG, Fortnite, or Lego Fortnite, and uh, slash Rocket Racing. God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. Gran Turismo 7, the 1.4 update. Halo Infinite, Season 4 and 5. Hitman Freelancer. Horizon Forbidden West, Burning Shores. Killer Instinct, Anniversary Edition. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass, Rainbow Banger. Six Siege Year 8, and Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways. Uh, this list is so us, bro. Yeah, this is a, yeah. It's a cool on time. This is stuff list. on here that everybody's like scratching their heads. Why are you talking about Battlefield? And- yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but uh, let's see what we can do here, man. Um, let me throw out a couple out of the gate. Okay. I'll say Killer Instinct Anniversary Edition was a nice um, quality of life update that nobody expected, but everybody appreciated. Um, it was cool. 
it was cool. It, it, it got the game up to speed as intended. It didn't do a whole lot else other than some balancing changes to some of the fighters. But beyond that, it's not too much far removed from the original version of the game, which was already okay. Um, but I think there's just more interesting things on this list. So I'll go ahead and make that cut. I'll also say Hitman Freelancer is one that I would get rid of. Um, it's one that I think yeah. a lot of people need to come back and try one day if you're a Hitman fan. It's a, I don't know what that is. It's it's essentially kind of a... I, I don't want to like make it sound reductive, but it, it kind of randomizes missions for you in this way. It's, it's oh, shit. kind of roguelike-ish in a sense where you're kind of given a set amount of tools you can use um, in pre-existing maps in the game. Um, I, I don't want to say a lot about it cause I want you to kind of see it for yourself, Pablo, because you're more of a Hitman fan than me. I think yeah, you actually, you would actually dig the hell out of this mode. It's, it's, it's very fleshed out and, uh, surprisingly enjoyable, uh, for just what would most people would consider a game that just reshuffles the deck, but it does it in a, in a much more graceful way than I was expecting. And I think you'd actually, I'm, down, I'm downloading this tonight. Yeah, try it out. You might, you might think it's cool. You might think it's cool. I don't think you're going to play it obsessively, but I know I've heard people that have said like, Oh, I can't stop playing this thing. Um, well, I mean, so, yeah. I love the Hitman. I love the, I, I love playing that game. I like the way that that game plays. I like the way the, the structure of each yeah. of those levels are, but once you've done them multiple times, it's like, okay, I know what I'm doing here. But the fact that it kind of reshuffles some of that stuff. And then that's, that, and there's progression like with it too. Game. Like if you do, if you're able to do consecutive assassinations, it opens up more stuff for you to use in your loadout for next what time the around. Fuck? That's awesome. Yeah, I when I played it, I'm like, oh, Pablo's gonna kind of like this. I think so. Okay. Try it out. I gotta, I gotta definitely check yeah. that out. I just don't think it's gonna. Um, it's not as sexy of a of a thing to talk about as some of the other stuff here. But yeah, um, yeah. what do you got? Um, I'm not gonna cut anything that I don't know about. Like I don't know anything about Gran Turismo Seven or Battlefield 2042 or okay. even Burning Shores. I'll let you talk about those. Yeah. But one thing I, I'll, I'll I'll take out and I'll take two of them, and that's the Fortnite stuff. I think that everything they do in Fortnite every year is interesting, and it might not be for us in particular, but the Lego stuff is really cool. The 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 rocket racing is dope. Uh, there's also another thing on there. I think it's called uh, Fortnite Festival, where it's basically Harmonix made a, a game in in within Fortnite, Crazy. where it's basically uh, a, <laughs> yeah, like a Guitar Hero type yeah, of thing. I see. All that shit is uh, yeah, all that shit is amazing. Uh, but I for for me, because this is this is about Marco and Bob Pablo in terms of what we like. Uh, I don't think it's something that's going to survive here. But I did want to add it on there just to kind of shout it out because I think that Fortnite, the future of Fortnite, has just. This year alone has made Fortnite in, in its future very, very interesting as to as a platform rather than just a, a game you play. So yeah, it's something to, to keep an eye on. Um, what do, what do you got? I think as much as we love Rainbow Six Siege, I think Year Eight content. Oh. It was good for us because we care about the the meta on such a nerdy ass level that it 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 was it was food for us, but. I, I want to propose cutting it because I just don't know if it was as um, gripping content-wise as some of the other stuff that's still on the list. It's it's my most played game on Xbox and PlayStation this year. <laughs> we don't have a problem. Um, and I'm not talking about like I'm talking about I think 200 close to 300 hours on Xbox alone. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think that when you look at what it's done, it hasn't really changed the game. It just it's added the stuff we like it and shuffled some meta stuff around a bit. Uh, and I, I, I like it. I like that it was on here, but it's not, it's not a top three thing. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh my God. Um, no, actually you go, because I, I think you have more that you can, cut I'm going to make, a, I'm going to make three cuts here. 
I'm going to get this. Okay. I'm going to narrow this thing down. Gran Turismo 7's 1.4 update, I think, is very, very good. Adds uh, a lot of nice new content to the game, um, new um, menus. If you played it before, you know what I mean uh, in terms of just having more stuff to kind of work towards in that game. Really well done. Um, just not not, not enough to move the needle uh, in a way where I think it would it would be in the top three here. So I'll cut that. Battlefield 2042 Season 6 Start Creations. I think that the comeback of Battlefield 2042, in case you haven't heard, it is it is real. Uh, this game is fantastic right now. It's one of my most played games of the year, actually, which is astonishing compared to how much I hated it when it launched. Uh, they've really yeah. come a long way with redoing a lot of the maps from the original game, uh, retuning some of the, the way that the game's meta is built out balancing and, and fixing a lot of legacy issues they had since launch and now it's at a place now where it's it's genuinely fun in that battlefield way that i missed so it's just i think it got outclassed by another comeback uh this year that we'll talk about in a second so i'll go ahead and cut this now and my third cut i will cut um horizon forbidden west burning shores um i thought this was a very good um add-on to horizon in a way that I think really helped round out a little bit more of Aloy's character. Uh, the addition of Seika, who is the main character brought in for this particular DLC, uh, was a big piece of that. And I thought that the way that it all came together and also kind of expanded on the story that they were building into uh, in the base game was really nicely done. And it didn't overstay its welcome either. It was really good time. It wasn't over the moon awesome compared to what I thought um, you know, the, the base game did. Um, but it was good. It was, it was, it's one of those ones where you play it, you're done and you're like, that was cool. I liked it. And I think that's, that's good, but maybe not top three good in my opinion. So, okay. um, let me refresh real quick. Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty plus 2.0 and 2.1 updates is left. Plus God of War Ragnarok Valhalla, Halo Infinite season four and five, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe booster course pass and RE4 separate ways are last, uh, nominees right now. What do you got? Let me let me offer up two cuts. Um, okay. God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. I think that you know it it it, it takes some it, it did interesting stuff with with that roguelike uh, formula. I think that its focus on narrative is very good that they did that. It didn't get away from that and make it kind of just like a mindless uh, you know roguelike die and try again type of thing. There, there's there's reasons to come back and do that. I just for me it it just it, it just came out. And it's not something that I'm particularly um, too invested in, even though the narrative stuff is cool. It's just at this point, I'm kind of just I'm done with with this part of the of the God of War saga uh, and, and ready for the next game on that. The next one I'll offer up um, is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Booster Course Pass. I, I think that a lot of those courses were really good and a lot were not very good. Like, there, it was definitely inconsistent. Um, I think that Mario Kart 8 is an all-timer. Uh, but uh, right now, at this point, the, the, the additions of those courses isn't really gonna... It doesn't really change the game one way or the other for me. I think it's more content, which is always good, but it's not something that's gonna change the way that I feel about uh Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, I uh, agree actually. So yeah. with with those cuts we got we got three. We got our three. And yeah. Who wins, man? Is it Cyberpunk? Yeah. I, I think it's Cyberpunk. Look, I, I hate to be so uh, anticlimactic here, but it, it was always gonna be Cyberpunk <laughs> Phantom Liberty. Uh just just take what you know about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven and then 
add on the the, the 2.0 and most recently 2.1 updates and then add to that an engaging story that really adds to the entire package in a way that I wasn't expecting when 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 they when they announced Phantom Liberty you know and they said what it was I still didn't really understand what they were telling me like I still didn't understand this was just a complete fleshed out experience that it was contained in, in a way where it still bled into the the main game but it was its own thing and it really what it did is it took characters that we already know like Mr. Hands and then also taking Johnny Silverhand and elevating those characters to the next level like Johnny Silverhand in the first game you know voiced by Keanu Reeves was great but he cements himself as one of the best NPCs in video game history Hands with down. his performance. Yep. Yeah, with his performance in Phantom Liberty because he knew the character, I felt, in terms of the way he acted, Ken Reeves. And I feel like there was a lot more for him to do here as well. And th- just the, the, the motion capture of, of Johnny Silverhand, just kind of the, the little things that you would see. Like you would say something, do something, and he would be off in the corner and he would smirk based on something that you said just little things like that really elevated that and obviously the story i thought was awesome yeah. i i love i love songbird i love that story i love everything that they were trying to do with it and i, I think that t- they succeeded and the branching en- path endings and how drastically different how they made you feel even on an emotional level like in terms of like oh man like i feel really bad about how this ended i reloaded played another uh, another ending and felt better about that just just the just kind of the attention to detail and the thought put into Phantom Liberty is absolutely amazing, and I cannot wait for more in the Cyberpunk 2077 world. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I don't have much else to add there. I think you nailed all the points I would make. Uh, the 2.1 and, uh, and 2.0 updates as well, just really breathing new life into the core mechanics of that game in ways that I think made a lot of things way more sensible. Uh, when you think about, um, oh my god, you know, when you when you kind of get get chromed out. Uh, with your your yeah. upgrades and stuff, it felt like it was much more prominent and necessary uh, to the experience. A lot of the uh, skill tree stuff uh, that improved, I think, did a great job of um, better organizing and better incentivizing leveling up and making that more interesting uh, to progress through. Um, it made a katana build like viable. Oh, man, and I and I sure enough did that, and it was fun. Uh, <laughs> such yeah. a good time. So yeah. Um, Second place and third place, though, man. Um, boy, this is a tough one because I I, I I don't know. Maybe it's not for you, but what do you think? For me, it would be Halo Infinite uh, 2 and Separate Ways at 3. The reason for 2, in my opinion, for Halo Infinite is that game launched in such dire straits that even I thought there was no coming back. And yeah. not only is it coming, it, did it come back, but it came back with a vengeance. It's, it, it's, it's where we thought Halo would be when it launched. And it is just, it, it's just what they've done in the turnaround is just kind of amazing for me. Uh, I love separate ways. I think that the add on to Resident Evil 4 was awesome. I, I think, I think kind of, kind of closing the gap and a lot of the, the stuff that happened in between with, 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 uh, uh, with separate ways was really interesting and really cool but i don't know I, I just feel like halo infinite deserves that uh that number two spot just a little more but i mean i could be convinced either way yeah halo was hard to deny um when you think about the the content they've been rolling with man having firefight in there now adding forge into the mix new maps uh just new new cosmetics that are genuinely interesting to people uh a lot taking a lot of the frustration 
out of the dryness of the base game that we got at launch and just completely um, streamlining and just being a, a well-oiled machine at this point with, with new stuff to do at all times. I think they've been really, really impressive in turning things around to the point where I can see this game lasting another year or two or three uh, if they stay at this pace. Um, it can definitely continue to do that. Um, RE4 Separate Ways is like what Uncharted Lost Legacy is to Uncharted 4 yeah. for me. Um, it, it cuts out a lot of the fat. It gives you the best things from the base game, adds some new combat mechanics to make things interesting that's exclusive to Ada with her grappling hook um, system, uh, which I had a lot of fun with. Uh, Seeing how she integrates and weaves in and out of Leon's story as he progresses through the base game, uh, I think was really cool, just like it was with the original Separate Ways DLC for the base RE4 OG. Um, But it was just done so much better. I smiled from ear to ear uh, as I played throughout this thing, and I couldn't put it down. Um, I think the more impressive thing is Halo, just because of what it came from, being at the bottom of the barrel. Um, so I, I'm okay with putting that at the number two spot, though. Uh, I think it's just yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the recovery is dramatic in, in, in how good it is, almost to the point of cyberpunk levels, <laughs> which is crazy. That Honestly, yeah. Two games on this list are, are basically comeback stories, essentially. Um, yeah. So... The winner of best new content goes to Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty plus 2.0 and 2.1 updates. Coming in at the number two spot is Halo Infinite's Season 4 and Season 5 content. And at third place is Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways. All right, Pablo. Time for the next category. And the next category is none other than Midest Game of the Year. These these are the best and most aggressively okay games of 2023, according to our personal and or combined beliefs. And the nominees are Aliens, Dark Descent, Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3, Dead Island 2, Diablo 4, Exoprimal, Fire Emblem Engage, Forspoken, Immortals of Avium, Like a Dragon Ishin, Mortal Kombat 1, Octopath Traveler 2, Robocop Rogue City, The Expanse, a Telltale series, Long, Fallen <laughs> Dynasty, and WWE 2K23. All right, now let's just address the elephant in the room, y'all. Right. I right. know some of you guys heard some games on this list of mid-games of the year, and you probably wanted to pass out or punch us. One of the two. Um, again, this is where the agree-to-disagree component we'd said at the top of the show comes into play, because I think we have a case to make for some of these games being in this particular category. Now, again, remember, we're not saying these games are outright bad. We're saying that they're just the best okay games of the year. Okay, so that's what we're going with. That's the angle we're coming from. It's okay if you disagree. Just you could let's, let's sit through it. Okay, you could even say in any other year these games might be considered for like top of ten course. game of the year. Of course, and, but be, due to the the nature of twenty twenty three and what that was, I think that this is a very competitive uh, category this year, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. All right, man. Let's start making some cuts on this thing. What do you got? 
I got two off rip. Forspoken and Like a Dragon Ishin. I think Forspoken gets a lot of shit for saying that it's like one of the worst games uh, ever. That's not true. I don't think that's that's true at all. I think the game is fine in what it's trying to do. It is corny. Um, there's some stuff that doesn't really work, but it is what it is. Ishin, I, I actually uh, vehemently <laughs> hate that game. Uh, <laughs> Even thinking about it, I just didn't think it was fun at all. I, I think it was just spinoff wise, it just didn't really work for me at all. So I don't even think it's a mid game. I think it's a bad game. But other than that, I think those are the two that I would kind of. Uh, I, I have one more. Uh, Aliens Dark Descent. I, I I think that that game is. I, I started off really hot on it. It, it just it, it it just devolved into kind of uh, not fun for me. Uh, but it, it's it's there's other games that are better that deserve to be on this list. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you um, on all those. Actually, I think those are all good picks. Um, let me kind of throw a couple into the pot here. Um, let me say, I would say let's go ahead and get Call of Duty out of here. I think that I okay. liked the game for what it was. I didn't love it, but I thought it was fine, I, but I don't think it's going to end up being the best mid game of the uh, year or in the top three. I would also want to propose Wolong. Um, okay. I agree. I, I think the game has a lot of critical problems and just isn't very interesting at times either. So I don't think it's the best mid game that there is. And I'll also throw fire Emblem, fire emblem engage in here. Um, Man, the the momentum kill of three houses to this was just shocking. Um, one of the you know the the more to start the year. Oh man, it's just like oh no, this can't be what this year is going to be like. <laughs> and it was it was one of those like tone setting things that I was afraid of. But yeah, I just didn't like the angle they were going with. Uh, I, I thought the the characters and the story were just uh, terrible. Um, the combat yeah. mechanics were really fun and good, but that's all it really had going for it. What's funny about that is Fire Emblem Engage set the stage for the year for us because it was a highly anticipated game that we ended up shockingly not liking. Yep. And there's a few of those that happened with us this year that we'll definitely get into. Um, huh. Yeah, I would... I would go ahead and and cut here WWE 2K23. Um, I think one of the reasons it's on here is because it wasn't a complete uh, complete shit show from previous entries, and I don't think that's reason reason enough to to be on this list. Um, oh man, I want to say Dead Island Two, but I think Dead Island Two is pretty mid game, and it was a game that was literally in development hell, uh, yeah. and it came out and it wasn't a disaster. Okay, I got one. Mm. Let's just, okay. let's just, let's just, uh, I don't want to be scared of people. I'm not scared of y'all. Diablo 4, I think, needs to get cut. I think the, <laughs> I, I was so hyped for this game. Um, and I'm not saying the game is, is outright bad in any one way, shape, or form. It's just that it fell very, very flat for me in a way that made it somewhat un- unremarkable. Um, I can play it and I can have a decent time doing the Diablo stuff and looting and getting all that, you know, getting all the goods and blah, blah, blah. And the gameplay loop is, is very Diablo. I just felt like it was a very boring rendition of it. Um, I thought three was much more exciting and, and dynamic to play it. it I think two is obviously legendary um, Four to me just felt very safe 
in a way. Um, and just not very aesthetically pleasing uh, either. It was very one note. Everything was bloody and gothic and gory. And I'm glad they went back to something a little bit darker. Um, but it was just kind of the wrong kind of dark where it was like everything looks kind of the same after a while. And everything kind of blurred together in my brain a lot. Couple that with a pretty rough story. I mean, I'm glad they tried to do one, um, but I think cinematically it left a lot on the table. Um, I, I I have to say, I think we should cut it. My whole playthrough of Diablo 4 was be like, I like this game. I like this game. I have to like this game. This game I have to like. And I just I never really got into it. Like I played like 30 hours of it. And the whole time I'm convincing myself that I'm having a good time when I never was. Yeah. Diablo has never been my thing. I like Diablo 3. I, you know, I got into it really late. So I was definitely excited for 4. But I don't even think it's a mid-game. I, I think it, it's so disappointing that I I, I have like kind of like a hatred for it for making mm. me so excited for something that I knew I was not going to like. Okay. So that brings us down um, to Armor Core 6, Dead Island 2, Exoprimal, Immortals of Avium, Mortal Kombat 1, Octopath Traveler 2, Robocop Rogue City, and The Expanse, a Telltale series. Talk, talk to me about Exoprimal. That's a fun game, man. I think, it was, I think it was misunderstood, you know? It's a silly game. That's clear. Space dinosaurs. I mean, yeah. It's, it's not going <laughs> for riveting... You know, it's not trying to be the last of us. Let's just go there, right? I think in terms of silly fun, squad-based PvE action, I think it was a really decent time. And surprisingly, the narrative was really trying to get, you know, pretty granular about what was going on in a way where it wasn't it wasn't kind of being irreverent either. You know, it, it is... It, at the end of the day, it's campy, but it was like the campy with exposition and explanations about what's going it's on. It's a ho- hallelujah, it's raining raptors. <laughs> so I I got to say, I had a pretty fun time with this thing. I never expected it to, to, to go the distance and last okay. a long time in my, you know, my, my pantheon sounds- of games this year, but... It was fun. That sounds like a, that sounds like like a mid game. Yeah, it was. It, it epitomized it for me. So, I'm more inclined. Okay, so I, that, I'm more inclined to cut nah, armor core. Oh boy, Marco, I don't want people to really hate us. I that's. I'll take the bullets. I'll take the shots. I I cut. I cut Diablo. I'll cut armor core. I don't care. Nah, cut cut armor core. It's a fucking it, PS2 I, game. With the polish of a 2023, I'm sorry, the mission structure and the things you do in those missions are fucking boring. They're boring. I'm sorry. I, I, I love what they do in terms of the customization yep. and the depth. I, I, I'm with you there. And it feels good to play. The gameplay is actually pretty fun. But what you're doing as the missions are so brain dead in terms of creativity. It's, 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 it's honestly shocking. So I get uh, this is one of those games that that people like because it wasn't a disaster because Armored Core 3, 4 and 5 were pretty bad games. And I think that's like, oh, this isn't a shit show. And I also do think that From Software has a lot, a lot of influence right now in terms of how people think about a game. Oh, made by From Software. Oh, this is this is a banger. And I think that I got that going for it as well. I this is another game that I played just like Diablo four trying to convince myself that I like this game. And I honestly, I, I, I don't even think it played fun. I don't even think the gameplay was fun to be 
completely honest. I, I thought that it felt too clunky to, to maneuver those things. Mm. And I know that's the whole point, but fuck it. I, I didn't have fun, you know? <laughs> that uh, so, counts for something. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah. So I made I made some tough cuts, man. I, I got the controversial ones done. You could help me out here. What do you, yeah. you want to cut? I don't know, man. Because I think, like, I think... <sighs> I think Dead Island 2 can get cut. Um, yeah. Okay. This game had a lot of potential, but ultimately it, it was pretty one-dimensional. Um, I, I think that it, it it's a game that after 15 hours in, I was pretty much... I, I felt I saw everything that the game was going to offer to me. I think the gameplay was fun, but it wasn't... It wasn't always fun and um you know it's i think it's a, i think really what it is for me it's like man this game again like I'll, I'll repeat it it was in development hell this game was a running joke for the longest in terms of a game that's quote unquote still in development and it comes out and it could have just been a complete disaster but other than that i really i didn't really like the characters i don't think the story was very interesting to begin with uh and so ultimately for me uh, it's 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 a game that definitely can go all right that brings us down to six nominees, Pablo. Um, let me kind of throw, let me throw the expanse in the pile here. Um, I think in the pantheon of Telltale games, I think this is one of oh, their yeah. worst offerings. Um, I think the back half of the game kind of redeemed itself. Um, in the bonus chapter, was really good. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, but. I do think there's a forgettability to a lot of that game's narrative. The characters, the relationships that you attempt to build in that game just don't really come through very nicely. And I think that a lot of that scavenging um, stuff that you're doing in those derelict ships, they, oh they, they return to that well a few too many times. And it just got to a point where it felt a little stale and very... Um, uh, very safe, but not in the good way. Not like I know what I'm doing is good. Let's do more of it. It was more like we don't really know if we have any other ideas kind of energy to me. Um, so I, I think this is a cut. Um, yeah. Okay. So Ooh. we just we just kind of were kind of drooling all over Octopath Traveler 2's, uh, you know, sound design. We did. Uh, so, and, and, we, and we talked lovingly about Octopath Traveler 2. But I do think overall, as an overall package, I think this is another one of those quintessential mid-games of the year for me. Uh, so I, I I think that really for me it's between uh, I would keep it. I, I want to keep it. Oh, you want to keep it? Okay. I think it's be yeah, I think it's a quintessential mid-game. I, I think it's between Mortal Kombat 1 and RoboCop Rogue City Actually, I think both of those can go, to be quite honest. What do you think? Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, Mortal Kombat was Mortal Kombat. Um, you, I played it. I'm like, yep, that was definitely Mortal Kombat. And I kind of moved on with my life and felt like it was fine. Um, but <laughs> is it the best fine of the bunch? Um, probably not. Not for me. So I think it's I, I think it's a cut. RoboCop. I, I said my piece about that last week. Actually, I, I don't find it to be as as surprisingly good as others think it is. Um, if you if you're still high on it though, I, I'm willing to make a concession and cut Exo Primal. If you think that because I, I do recognize that I'm in the minority in that opinion. I don't want to hold that against you if you believe it should be in the top three. 
I do think it could be, but let's talk about a game we haven't talked about, Immortals of Avium. Um, I like that game a lot. What do you lot. think, Marco? <laughs> I like it a lot. I do, too. Uh, I don't know if um, it goes. I think it's... Uh, I, had, I was so skeptical of this game, and I finally get my hands on it, and I'm like, this is fun. Okay. <laughs> but do you think it goes beyond being a mid-game? Um... Like no, it doesn't need to be on this list because it's not a mid-game? Not necessarily, because I think the story and the characters are really cringy, and I just um there's some things that I don't love about it. I will say that. Um and I do think it is a okay. little repetitive. So it's not as as creative, I think, as um some of the games I would not consider mid, but actually good. Um so I I, I think it belongs here, but I think it is kind of on that threshold a little bit. But um I like it a lot. Okay, so let's keep okay. it. Um, so I guess it's Exo Primal RoboCop Rogue City. I, I Exo Primal is not a game that I I, I I put any significant time into it at all, so I can't really speak on it. Okay, I know you don't like RoboCop Rogue City at all. Um, but do you? I think hmm. I think I think you really convinced me on Exo Primal, kind of being like a mid game, a game that you weren't expecting to to even be good at all, and it 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 does. <coughs> excuse me, it does a lot of. Uh, interesting things and from from what I've I've you're not the only person I've heard that have kind of sung its praises either so um yeah I think RoboCop can go here okay so let's get rid of RoboCop and then we have our three we've got Exo Primal Immortals of Avium and Octopath Traveler what, what do you think wins this is it a or let, let's let's go from the, the third place actually what's what's Exo Primal should go three okay yeah I agree with that good third place for that okay. And are we thinking Octopath at number two? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not an offensively bad game in any respect, actually. It's, it's, I think the weakest link of that game is probably its story. I just don't like the way that the eight travelers um, don't feel super connected. Um, I know it's better connected than the first Octopath was, but they still don't yeah. feel like they really deal, like they don't really interact with each other on a way that I, I really enjoyed. So, yeah. And also, I, 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 you, you're forced to play eight different characters, and I don't think they're all interesting. Yeah, there's like I liked maybe like four only of them. Yeah, and, uh, the other ones were like, ah, I can do without you. Um, yeah. Okay, so then the winner for the award of middest game of the year goes to Immortals of Avium. In second place is Octopath Traveler 2. And in third place is Exo Primal. Congratulations to those mid-ass games. <laughs> All right. Up next is one of our uh, fan favorite awards. And that is none other than Booty Juice of the Year. These are <laughs> these are the games, companies, headlines, or other blunders that deserve an award of complete dishonor. Okay? <laughs> and the nominees are The Redfall Catastrophe, Starfield Derangement Syndrome, Xbox Series S Holding Back, Xbox Series X, Princess Zelda's Perpetually... <laughs> Let me get through the Princess Zelda's perpetually dire sounding voice in Tears of the Kingdom. 
Yang Ye's voice acting of Kazuma Kiryu. Oof. The Game Awards 2023. Oof. The PlayStation Plus price increase. PlayStation's May showcase. The cancellation of The Last of Us Online. The post-acquisition state of Bungie. Alan Wake 2's technical issues. Massive layoffs across the video game industry. The permadeath of E3. <laughs> Multiverses shutting down until 2024. The in- Sure. <laughs> Don't start. All right. The Insomniac Games leak. Uh, Harassing Lily Gao for her performance as Ada Wong in RE4. Kotaku promoting leaks of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Sony's attempt at shutting down Microsoft's ABK deal over Call of Duty. F099. <laughs> like the only game. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, the day before debacle. Um it's it's getting stanky in these streets, bro. This is some Ugh. booty ass shit right here, my boy. Let's make some cuts out here, man. What do you what do you think is the least bootiest of the bunch? I mean, it's not a gag. Here at Cooldown Time, we don't like F099, but I think it's <laughs> the least offensive. Well, we don't like F0, period. I think it's the less of the the it's the least offensive thing on. I here. think the funny uh, shit was just how people were hoping that they were gonna get a new game and they just got this like <laughs> repurposed as ninety-nine you know it, royale bullshit. And then people are hyped about it because they're adding uh, the uh, like regular racing to F zero ninety nine as a throwing people a bone Ooh. and people are pretending that's good. Yeah, it was fun listening to people go. Oh, no, I'm, I'm having fun with this. I'm I'm <sighs> enjoying this. <laughs> I'm not crying. This is what I wanted. Actually, I'm, this is exactly what I wanted. It's hurting. delicious. <laughs> it's delicious. Thank you. May I have some more, please? Not delicious. <laughs> all right, all right, um, all right. Let's make another cut, bro. Um, oh my god, these are all so bad. Um, I don't want to downplay this because I think harassment is terrible in in the in the gaming space, and the community needs to get their shit together and stop doing this. I mm-hmm. I'll I think maybe we can cut the Lily Gao Ada Wong performance thing. Yeah, yeah. That's probably not the the bootiest thing, but seriously, y'all. Because stop I think it. she shut a lot of people up with uh with um separate ways. Was it separate yeah, ways. Much better. Yeah. Because I think I think she was actually really yeah, good. Yeah, she did that. good. I actually liked her performance um, in the original game. That's just me, but whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. What do you got, man? I think multiverse shutting down is also the least surprising thing that happened this year. <laughs> I mean, I it's it, it, that game launched and almost immediately it was incomplete and abject. Uh, it was a complete abject failure, really, to the point where they were gonna are gonna release it supposedly in twenty twenty four again. Sure. But they shut it down in twenty twenty like just let people play what you have and then release the one whatever the hell you're gonna do. You don't lie to us. <laughs> that was I saw that coming from a mile away. Okay. Um I'll say the post acquisition state of Bungie. Um a lot of that is still kind of T B D, but I think that the fact yeah. that they could potentially lose control of their own company uh due to some clauses in the acquisition agreement uh, based on the state of Destiny 2, it's it's not looking great for them right now, and they are not they are yeah. they are very unrecognizable from the Bungie we know and love from back in the day. Um, but I, I think some of the fate of Bungie remains to be seen, and I think we'll probably just have to wait and see what happens ultimately before we can definitively yeah. say it's booty juicy. Um, but it is a little swamp butt. Yeah, because it could it could come back and turn around. Yeah, you know, but yeah. Uh, 
Princess uh, Princess Zelda's perpetually dire sounding voice. I mean, look, the the, the English dubs on so on bad. a lot of these Japanese games are usually tired, but her whole please, oh, Link, oh Link, <laughs> we need you, Link, oh Link, guys. Yeah, all that's just a, that's just bad. That's just a bad performance. Bro. Yeah, oh. it really is. Oh Link, yeah. what are we going to <laughs> do, Link? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Zelda! Shut! Put down the wine. Yeah. <laughs> this is on cabaret like a mother. Cabernet, I'm saying. Cabernet, cabaret. Cab- <laughs> this is a cabaret. La 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 la. <laughs> She'd be a terrible cabaret hostess, by the way. Oh, welcome oh to the cabaret. Oh, have a seat. Oh. Um, <laughs> what do <are> you? <laughs> we're, we're ridiculous. I don't know, man. Uh, Young Yi's voice acting of uh, Kasuma Kiryu, I think that um, I, I talked about it last week a little bit. I don't think it's like terrible. I just think it doesn't fit the character. It's just bad casting. Yeah, that's all it is. Uh, and people are really having, you know, are taking it to the next level online again with the harassment stuff, which is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let the man do his if he wants to work in the industry, let him work. If you don't like it, you know, play the way you should be playing it anyway. And in, in, in with subtitles, like stop, stop being crazy. Yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Um, Kotaku promoting the leaks of legend of Zelda tears of the kingdom. I mean, talk about, talk about petty. I mean, that's because they don't get coverage from Nintendo or uh, like review codes or anything because they've always been yeah. lousy as a publication. And they decided that was the way to kind of, uh, Men the fences, I suppose. I don't know what they were thinking, but yeah, it's one of those like they were just being petty. You, yeah, you said it. They were just being petty because they didn't get a review code and they needed to get those clicks, and so that it, it's just like it, it was bad in in any which way. It was petty because they did that, and also because they were obviously trying to kind of uh you know work off of the the hype that was happening currently with all the reviews coming out with, with uh with Tears of the Kingdom. Yep. Yeah, I think I think it can go. Um. Hmm. The day before debacle, I think that anybody who was paying attention to that could have seen that coming from a mile away. Uh, They they were very, very, very uh, fucking shady with the entire process. Uh, You know, the game was supposed to come out a couple of months ago and they delayed it. Like, did they delay the game the day of it was that was supposed to come out? Not like in the morning, like towards the evening. Um, So there was just a lot here that if you were just paying attention just a little you would have seen this shit coming from a mile away. Now it's fucking crazy that they shut down like two days after they released the game and, and are trying to keep people's money. But again, you, these scammers, they were scamming from day one. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah, it, it was, it was booty juicy for sure, but I don't know if it's a winner. Um, okay. Um, how do we feel about cutting Sony's attempt at shutting down the ABK deal over Call of Duty? I found that to be more laughable than anything. I, I, it just it seems so ridiculous that that's the hill they were going to try to die on. It, was it the most egregious thing of the year? Uh, no, no, but I think it was it just was, a nuisance type of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was petty. And again, a lot of yeah. these things have been like kind of elevated and perpetuated by the conversations happening on the very toxic uh, social medias. And I think that you know even even. Um, even uh what's his name i forgot this fucking fucker's name uh <laughs> the fucking jim fucker's ryan name, yeah even jim ryan himself <laughs> uh said that uh 
you know, that they weren't really worried about losing Call of Duty to begin with. So it was kind of dead. It was like a dead on. It was like a non-starter from the moment he said yep. it. But, you know, I agree. It wasn't the most egregious thing that happened this year. No, no, no. Um, let me do a quick refresh for the listeners for Booty Juice of the Year nominees. We got the Redfall Catastrophe, Starfield Derangement Syndrome, Xbox Series X Holding Back the X, Game Awards 2023, PS Plus Price Increase, PlayStation's May Showcase, Last of Us Online Cancellation, Alan Wake 2's Technical Issues, Massive Layoffs Across the Gaming Industry, E3's Permadeath, and the Insomniac Games Leak. Um... um what do you got, Mark? Marco, you got anything you want to? Yeah, I, look, I mean, the Alan Wake stuff really got under my skin for a while there, but um, that's you know, uh, one game's technical issues that they're actively working on improving. Even though it frustrated the hell out of me, I think there's more. Um, there's 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 other contenders here that I think have much more residual impact um, than I think this did. Um, and and I, clearly, yeah. the game s- certainly superseded its problems and still won awards just now with us and plenty of other awards across the industry. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it was it was frustrating for me and other people, but <laughs> is it really a top three? I don't think so. And Marco ended up loving the game, even though he paid $120 for and, it. <laughs> and I'm going to get the the damn uh, $20 upgrade for the expansions, too. So they're just going to continue. Absolutely. To take yeah. Uh, I think PlayStation has a lot of shit happening with them right now. Yeah. And I think some of the less egregious stuff is probably the PS Plus price increase in that it's anti-consumer and that's kind of like what they what they do. And they're not alone in this. I'm sure Game Pass eventually is going to have uh, their own prices increase uh, coming soon. They've had some... Xbox has some shady shit with increasing the prices of, of, of the Xbox S and X in other regions. So this is what these companies do. They're just trying to make the most amount of money that they possibly can. Um, and then PlayStation's May showcase was really bad, but companies put out showcases all the it time happens. that are pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It does happen often. I get that. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, mm, this is where it gets tough. Yeah. As fuck, man. Okay. Uh, Permadeath of E3. Um, I know I kind of... Mm. I, I smoked people's boots that were kind of being blasé about it. Um, it is It is a big, big L for the industry. I'm not taking anything away from the impact here. Um, it's... It's one of those things, though, where it's not like we don't have other avenues of getting, you know, showcases. I know we have questions about the Game Awards, but we also split that out into its own nomination here, too. So I don't want to lump too much of those two together in terms of cause and effect. Um, I think the good thing is that, you know, we're not totally out in the cold. It's just that, you know, it just sucks to lose E3. So I guess I'm and also the, I'm okay with losing it here. Yeah, and also the writing was on the wall for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't get it off the ground last year. Yeah. Um, and post COVID, it, it was it was already kind of losing lose, losing some luster to begin with, and then COVID pretty much killed it. Uh, even though they tried to do all digital thing, I mean, th- at that point, what's the point of E3 if you're just gonna go all digital anyway? So. Um, yeah, it, it, it's sad because it's like an end of an era type of thing, but all things must come to to an end, and I think it was time for uh, for, for E3 to to see that end come to mm-hmm. it. So I'm good with I'm good with it uh, 
getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. Um, how do we feel about Starfield derangement syndrome? I, you know, I, I think that Starfield is a very good game. That the uh, that the PlayStation the 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 segment of PlayStation fans that hate everything Xbox does, no matter what, really just couldn't handle anything having to do with Starfield. In fact, it's a game that still comes up often in those conversations. It, it lives rent free in people's heads. But my issue, or the reason why I think it should not be here, is because this happens just all the time now. You know, on both sides. You know, I, I think anything that you know with, with Spider-Man Two, there was a little bit of that with the Xbox fanboys, pretty much shitting on the game, even though they obviously didn't really play it. So it's just one of those things where I don't want to let let it off the hook too easily, but at the same time, unfortunately, it's something that's gonna happen and keep happening. Yeah, I, I really wanted this to be in the in the top three, um, at least at the bottom end. I can see the argument for cutting it. I just think that it was so frustrating to be someone who happened to like Starfield um, when it came out that it was it was really, really grating because everyone was making apples to oranges comparisons to other games. Um, It seemed like everyone was going out of their way to compete over who disliked Starfield the most Um, in terms of content creators. It was just like that was the chic thing to do. My my algorithm says that if I create a video saying that I was disenchanted with Starfield, I'll get a lot of clicks and a lot of engagement. And it felt very forced in in a way that I think uh, you're right in that it it does happen in other spaces and other games. But I almost think that this was sort of the precursor to it really getting bad across the board with other games. So. If you feel like it it should be on here because it was that precursor. It might go, but I don't want to cut it yet. Um, okay. I, I'm, right. yeah, that's I'm fair. more inclined to say, how do we feel about cutting The Last of Us online? Um, I, it, that's a pretty low stakes cancellation in that we didn't see a lot of the game at all to even know what we could have had. Um, and yeah. there's so much behind the scenes stuff we don't know that it's hard to say whether it was officially justified or not. I mean, I have my suspicions about what really went on, but um, how much of a loss was this really? Um, yeah. I don't know. And and in last week's episode, I even argued that it was uh, in the long run, it was for the better yeah. for for the sake of of of, of Naughty Dog and what and their content going forward. That, that is true. Yeah, so it does have a positive spin to it at the end. Okay. Uh. Mm. Okay. So, um, what's left? Uh, Redfall. Uh, uh, the the issue with Redfall, Starfield, Raven Syndrome, Xbox Series X holding back, Xbox Series uh, X, the Game Awards, massive layoffs across the video game industry, and the Insomniac Game League. Um, now I know that the Xbox Series S is in many ways holding back the Xbox Series X, but <clears throat> I don't think it's making games on Xbox Series X like overall complete shit you know what mm. i mean like you could still play all the first party games baldur's gate did come out on a series s with some concessions with the multiplayer stuff i think ultimately um it is holding xbox series x back but i don't think it's the most egregious thing on here since it's what xbox as a company uh that's that's what they said that was going to happen they were going to support both of these consoles and that's what they're doing so yeah I think that that can go. Yeah, it's not across the board where every game is suffering because of the Series S. We've seen right. occurrences where some games are in good shape 
uh, and even surprisingly good shape. Um, so yeah, I agree. This is a good, this is a good drop off point for that. Um, all right. I think I'm going to, I want to talk about the insomniac games leak. Um, it's super unfortunate what happened. Um, it's never fun when your plans for your next games are kind of out in the open. It's never fun when you're seeing, um, you know, in development footage of things that are nowhere near ready for, for the bright lights. Um, it's no fun when internal documents are telling, you know, everyone how much your games are selling and, um, how concerned you are about Xbox and blah, blah, blah. It was just unfortunate all around. Um, I, I guess we've seen we've seen games like GTA 6 be able to rebound from these types of things pretty okay um, in a way that it it's not like the leaks ever really affect hype levels, honestly. Um, it's just never fun to see this happen to a talented team like this, though. So Even Xbox had a little bit of an issue this oh, year yeah, with, with some leaks. documents. Oof, my God. Yeah, so like... You know, that's just unfortunately that's something that's happening more often yeah. now. So, so you know. is this is this cuttable? Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, okay, so we'll, I think we'll make the cut. I I think at this point it's it's between because I I think the massive layoffs across the video game industry is a I lock. do too. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the Game Awards twenty twenty three might also be a lock I agree for me, as well. but I. I I could be convinced. So I really do think it's about the Redfall uh, issue with that whole entire debacle. And then we got Starfield yeah. derangement syndrome. I mean, this uh, is so. this is where, I mean, we have a most disappointing game category where Redfall is, let's, you know, spoilers, it's there. Um, do we want to kind of encapsulate the Redfall situation there? Or do we think that it's so egregious that it should be also um, a winner in this category as well? Um, well, well, the issue with Redfall was that obviously the announcement of thirty frames coming mere like weeks was it before yeah. release? Uh, the fact that um, uh, Arcane didn't want this game to be made anyway, like it was more of a pitch uh, of a game as service, so th- possibly the company could be bought in terms of hey, we have a game as service in our catalog. Uh, and really Xbox as a whole and Phil Spencer dropping the ball in terms of letting them cook uh, <laughs> and, and and really not checking in on this game and kind of, you know, just being just being at equally as fault in terms of like not checking in, be like, yo, this game is not ready for prime time. In fact, cancel this piece of shit. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the real issue with Redfall at the end of the day is that Redfall, the game, isn't good. And I think that maybe we can probably talk about its deficiencies there in the most disappointing category. Um, and I think that maybe here uh, we could probably cut all the other stuff uh, off of it and just kind of get rid of that. Mm. Uh, the red phone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the big, the big aspect of the catastrophe is really the public image of Xbox that really, really tanked um, so bad. It was the worst they've ever looked to the point where a lot of people were like, why am I here? Why do I have this console yeah. now? You know, but they did rebound really well, uh, in my opinion. Um, uh, if you had to choose between Starfield Arrangement Syndrome and the Redfall Catastrophe, what would you personally want to keep on the list? I, I think Starfield Arrangement Syndrome. Okay. I know that I propose to cut it, but I think that when looking at what we have here, I think that you know Redfall, its biggest sin is its actual game. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, so since that kind of eked in, maybe Starfield Arrangement Syndrome is the number three 
in this. Yeah. Um, I don't think I don't think we need to beat around the bush here. Um, I, I think massive layoffs across the video game industry is undoubtedly the winner yeah. here in terms of booty juice. Yeah. The, the essence of this award yeah. is is the most shittiest thing that could happen, and the fact that thousands, not hundreds. But thousands of people who lost their jobs because of corporate greed and mismanagement of funds and mismanagement of what trends were in the future and their overhiring and then laying people off based on the fact that they're unable to uh, run a business in an efficient manner. I think that, you know. The, the people who suffer are the people who had no control over the the head the 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 big guys doing the the moves up there. So, I think that by far, it being one of the best years in game, it's also one of the darkest years in games in terms of people losing their jobs. I mean, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine working in this industry, and many people many people are leaving it because it's just it's so contentious it's so it's so toxic right now where even though you you might be in a studio like a naughty dog or a, a, a premier studio you're still in danger of losing your job that's insane to me yeah you know? especially in times like these where inflation is happening everything's more expensive across the board the quality just cost of living is insane right now and to be in an industry that doesn't really respect you enough to um, keep you around uh, unless it benefits them is it's so one-sided to the point where it, it is a deterrent I would imagine for a lot of up-and-coming talent to pivot and, and take their talents in a different in a different field or in a different form of entertainment um, at the end of the day for this industry to thrive we have to incentivize people to want to be a part of it and if you're just going to get people to go through all this this schooling and, and education and spend money out the ears to get degrees and get hired and move to different states because some places don't want remote work, just to drop them off as soon as a game is done being developed or uh, because you couldn't get your shit together with other decisions you guys made in, in, in the you know, leadership positions, I think it just, it just de-incentivizes anybody with a lick of talent for this type of thing to want to do anything with you. And um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really sad to see that um, you know, it's been kind of an afterthought in a lot of places, um, including the Game Awards, which I was hoping would kind of shout out the, this issue and really try to encourage courage and promote that these people land safely on their feet someplace but um yeah i was happen. gonna i was gonna be like at least they got the game awards where they can get properly honored no, no, oh it's wait. keely's favorite things uh, which is why that's number two because yeah that's I mean, right yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, we've said our piece about it a few episodes ago but you know just the lack of time that you know the actual awards received and the please wrap it up thing uh, that now lives in infamy and and just Keeley kind of being handed the keys to, um, you know, this this uh, part of gaming that I just don't think he truly knows how to handle or do effectively without kind of making it about himself indirectly. Uh, I think just really was a sore spot this year in a way that I think deserved to be on this list like a motherfucker. So, uh, yeah. Sure. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this year's Booty Juice of the Year Award is none other than the massive layoffs across the video game industry, with second place going to the Game Awards 2023 and third place going to Starfield Derangement Syndrome. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, 
They got a little. And to be clear, none of those are actual winners. No, they're not. This is the yeah, yeah. the bootiest of them all. Um, so here's kind of our antithesis of that with uh, an award that we call the Anything Goes Award. Uh, these are any random headlines, game elements, gaming media, or miscellaneous positives that deserve an award of their own. And the nominees are the Shadow Drop of Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts School from Hogwarts Legacy, the Shadow Drop of Metroid Prime Remastered. The Layered Gore System from Dead Island 2. Rainy Nighttime Races from Forza Motorsport. The Loading Screen for Lies of P. Finding Your Perfect Combination of Weapon and Handle in Lies of P. The Serotonin Release After Beating a Boss in Lies of P. The Cross Guard Stance from Star Wars Jedi Survivor. The Towers in Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. New Game Plus from Starfield. Jim Ryan leaving Sony. <laughs> Deciphering your first glyph in Chance of Sonar. Ilmo and Yako's commercials from Alan Wake 2. New York slash The Dark Place in Alan Wake 2. And rolling a 20 in Baldur's Gate 3. All right, Pablo. What, 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 is, what is a cut here we can make safely? What are you thinking? Uh, the cross guard stance in Star Wars Jedi Survivor, I thought that was uh, the implementation of different stances in that game were cool. Cross guard being the most different and 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 really changing uh, how you play that game. That game is always has been uh, a, a kind of a uh, what do you call it? a uh, a rogue not rogue like a Dark Souls like yes. type of game, yes. and that cross guard stance really makes you play that game like that in a way where I found myself gravitating towards that uh, more often than not. I, I thought it was really cool addition and really completely uh, uh, just changed how you play that game in a way that the different stances did it. And I, and I, and I uh, applaud them for, for that for sure. All right. Not a bad cut though. Um, okay. I want to call the one of the Lies of P ones out. The serotonin release after beating a boss. I, I don't know if that was really something exclusive to Lies of P. I do think that can be right. similar in many Souls games. Um, I, I did feel it, um, but I don't know if it really was something that stood out as something that's very specific to this game uh, for me. Yeah, I, I, the, the reason I like it, but we can definitely get rid of it, is the fact that um, it just it, it wasn't a game. I was like, you only feel that when you play a game that you're really into, or Dark Souls like game that you're really into, like Elder, uh, like El- Elden Ring or something like that, where you finally beat a boss because it means that you can keep going and, and progressing through the game. And so that combined with the difficulty of that, and then the fact that you actually were able to kind of do beat the, those bosses and those bosses being some of the hardest bosses in any Souls like, I thought that it was uh, a really, really cool moment anytime you beat a boss. But I, I agree with you. I, that can definitely go. Okay. Um, so we'll go ahead and make that cut. All right. Um, hmm. You know, I'll be honest with you, I think all the Lies of Peace stuff can go. Um, okay. I think finding your perfect combination of weapon and handle is really cool. But, I mean, uh, you know, it's 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 not gonna hold it's up. It's neat, uh, but in yeah, terms of everything. yeah, it's neat. Yeah, and the same thing with loading, loading screen. screen I, I cool, thought man. you know using yeah Pinocchio's nose as the loading and screen it says, was, was actually kind of says now lying yeah. instead of now loading. That yeah, was yeah, fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I will say that's a cut as well. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Let's see. Um, 
the Metroid Prime Remastered Shadow Drop, I think, was really cool for someone like me who liked the Metroid Prime a lot. But <clears throat> um, is it the most exciting anything goes thing of them all? Probably not. So I'll I'll go ahead and make that call here. Send it packing. Um, I know earlier you said you got a little tired of the New York slash the Dark Place um, hub area in Alan Wake 2. Do you want to go ahead and make that cut here? Yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it, it works really well. I think some of the locations, uh, like the, was it the Ocean View Hotel, mm-hmm. that stuff was really awesome. But ultimately, you know, I it I I liked the hub world of 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 uh, of uh, Saga Anderson. Her story, I like that better. Uh, and I just felt, you know, it just it it, it got a little annoying mm-hmm. as well. The dark place. I, I personally bit. loved it. I thought the uh, the graffiti on the walls, all being you know little hints and in, in, in callbacks yep. to things from the games and. We don't have to cut um, it. The neon lights of like the of of Doors talk show building, um, the raininess, the it, it was just it had that murky New York feel. Keep it, but um, no, no, we can cut it. I just want to give it a shine because I think it was it was really a striking um, moment for me uh, stepping into that space and seeing something that was so creatively fleshed out and tied into both the 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 purpose of the dark place and just. Uh, the character of Alan Wake in such a new, unique way, um, but yeah we, yeah, we can go ahead and cut that one. Um, uh, deciphering your first glyph in Chances Denar, I think you know that you can pretty much kind of chalk that up with this kind of like the serotonin release of uh, of accomplishing something that you might have thought was impossible. Uh, like as soon as you start that game, the language based puzzler, and you're like, how am I ever gonna fucking figure this out? And when you <laughs> actually do it, it's like, oh shit, and you kind of. It really helps you understand what that game is going forward. And I thought it was a really cool way of, of, of kind of introducing you into it. So uh to, to the gameplay mechanic. But yeah, it can go. All right. Uh rolling a twenty in Baldur's Gate three. Uh always feels good when you're always uncertain, especially if it's a high number you gotta roll up to. Like if it's like a yeah. ten or fifteen, you're like, Oh boy, I don't know if I can do this and I don't have any bonuses to use, but you get that twenty twin menu, like, oh my god, let's go. Let's go. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's just a cool feeling, but maybe not as impactful as some of the other things that are on this list. But still, still a good feeling. So I mean, they made a a, a the a roll of dice very oh. like I'm, I'm tuned in, like I'm locked. Yeah, you were like, oh my what's god, going to be what's this? What's this dice going to roll at? <laughs> That's crazy <laughs> that they actually made that like a, a something that you really uh, yeah. were interested in. Um. Hmm. um Oh man, uh, rainy nights, uh, time races. I mean, once you saw it once or twice, you really, you know, yeah. I mean, you got it. It was it, it's yeah. cool to look at, but I don't think it, it stands. Uh, it's up beautiful to, to look at, but yeah, it's yeah. Other stuff it is, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so our, our now we're down to Hi-Fi Rush's Shadow Drop, Hogwarts School, the layered gore system from Dead Island Two, the towers from Tears of the Kingdom, New Game Plus from Starfield. Jim Ryan leaving Sony and Ilmo and Yako's commercials from Alan Wake Two. Um, yeah. Hmm. I think the towers and Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom can go. Um, I thought they were really cool. Yeah, I love the view just, when you, you get know, up high and you can just kind of sit there. And yeah, look above the clouds. That and was like, fire. When it launches you uh, into the air, and then you see. I thought all that stuff was cool, but I, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you do it over mm-hmm. and over and over again. But yeah. okay. Um. Mm. 
I want to talk about New Game Plus from Starfield. Um, I, I think okay. it's super clever what they did to kind of make the New Game Plus mode feel unique and how they weave it into mm-hmm. the story um, and kind of give you the opportunity to keep coming back and over and over and over to do it. I won't explain why. I don't want to get into spoiler territory just yet. But I think that the angle they took there was really creative um, in a way that I haven't seen before. Um, and so I, yeah. I really I, I appreciated it. I don't know if the the ultimate payoff i mean i know they do cool things with new playthroughs stuff you you know that they do differently but i don't know if the payoff is really worth it in the end but it is a cool idea well i think it's a cool idea but i think it suffers from the fact that it's not really a new game plus in that you don't really get to keep you don't keep any of your of your currency any of your weapons anything that you work so hard to get and 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 after going through one or two times through the new game plus I really just wanted to load one of my previous uh, regular saves and just kind of keep chipping yeah. away at that game because they really, th- the new game plus really just works as a story mechanic for you to keep playing it with this different kind of uh, understanding of what the what the game was trying to tell you. So I, I think that it's a cool idea. It just suffers too much from the fact that it takes everything away from you and it makes it feel less like a new game plus. It's a new game plus mm. for different reasons. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, so we're down to five, man. Um, hmm. Uh, Ilmo and, and, and Jaco's commercials were cool. I, I thought I, I always love when the, when uh, Alan Wake does Alan Wake does those little cool little things. You know, they did it with Night Springs and all that. I thought they were they were interesting, wacky, fucking they were, some weird of them were as really hell. Funny. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think other stuff on here is a little better. I um. Okay, I got one that I'm not crazy about. Okay. It, to me, it's the layered gore system in Dead Island. Right. I think it's cool. I mean, you know, it's starting to not be so novel because I think Dead Space does something very similar as well. Yeah, they did an update um, where they, uh, yeah, yeah, it's very where they added the same kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's very gratifying. I just, you know, it, it was it was a cool thing to see a couple times, but you know, I guess you, you kind of numb out to it after a while, and it it loses. Yeah, its absolutely. Effect. After a while, you're just trying to get through some hordes of, of zombies, and you're not really paying attention yeah. to, to to that kind of stuff. So that brings us down to our three, Pablo. We have Hi-Fi Rush, Shadow Drop, Hogwarts School, and Jim Ryan leaving Sony as our three. Now, how do we want to rank these? What do you want to do here? What's number three in your opinion? I think Hogwarts School's number three. Nah, love me know. some Hogwarts. Yeah, school. yeah, I would say Hogwarts School because I, I, I do like how detailed it is and how amazing it looks. Uh, and and once you walk in there and all the little things that they do with with uh, the little details within the, that castle are really amazing. And and it just feels like a completely lived in environment. And it it really it, it really takes the, the the Harry Potter kind of wizarding world aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, into that next level where you're in Hogwarts, you're actually there, and it feels like you're in Hogwarts. It's exactly what you thought this could be, and other games have tried, other Harry Potter games have tried to kind of emulate that, and none of them come close. But I, I think for me, uh, the other two on the list are a little bit more impactful. Maybe maybe Hogwarts schools too, and Jim Ryan leaving Sony's three. Yeah, I don't know if I want Hogwarts at three, man. Because I think the most important okay, thing okay. for that game to get right was Hogwarts itself. You named the game Hogwarts yeah. Legacy. You can't have some half-assed Hogwarts in there. Everything they needed to do to make that that school feel believable and just like you know how we imagined through the books and through the movies came through, I think, damn near perfectly. Um, 
everything felt good. The, the way that everything I, animated, I, the pictures, the the, the soldier statues. Uh, you had um, you know the the, the ghosts um, yeah, uh, f- fucking around in in the in the campus. It just felt and the different ho- in the different like areas for the 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 where the hat sorted you like oh Hufflepuff, my god Gryffindor, all that. the dining room area. You know what? It, I, uh, it, it might be number one. That to me, like uh, I, I, it's very seldom I'm like in awe of of how anything you know really looks. I, I guess I'm somewhat jaded, but that was one of those moments where I'm like, this is perfect. And you're not a Harry Potter fan, no, to, man. To say but it's not your this, thing. This like really shocked the shit out of me. I'm like, this is incredible, and especially when you. And the, not even, um, you know, like when you're on your um, your broom and you're just flying around Hogwarts and you see like, this yeah, is yeah. fucking detailed, man. It's not even like they cut corners. It's true. Um, it's true. I, I would rather have it at two if, if we really stand strongly about something else being number one. But I mean, um, Hi-Fi Rush Shadow Drop was obviously a true shadow drop in that nobody even knew Hi-Fi Rush was uh, uh, was it, in development. Yeah, no one. And, and, and the team that's making it, nobody Tango, expected yeah. uh, anything to come from Tangle that was like this. And then the game dropping and that being cool, but then the game actually being fucking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only being good, but not just being a, a regular third-person action game, obviously having that musical element to it uh, had so many different kind of things going for it that I really, it was a shadow drop that that really kind of started Xbox's year off in on in the Big right shot. In something the arm, that they yeah. desperately... Yeah desperately needed but i don't know man i think hogwarts school might be number one and hi-fi rush shadow drop might 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 be number two i mean you're you're right about hogwarts school in in, in that sense how kind of like just in all i was mm-hmm. uh, of of every time that i was in there and there's so many things to do yeah yeah i i, I would be i would be totally happy with it being number one um yeah i i, I guess um you know hi-fi rush i have my problems with the game itself so I'm trying yeah. to separate that from the shadow drop component of it, which was pretty exciting. But I, I will say, I, when the shadow drop announcement was made, I wasn't exactly hyped about it. I looked at the game and I'm like, "What right, the right, fuck right. is this?" So, I did have that that brief moment of like, "Yo, this is what y'all were doing." Um, but obviously, it <laughs> paid off. Um, and Jim Ryan leaving Sony is is just you know, a lot of unanswered questions about what's going to happen next. But like, you know. Ding dong, the douche is gone. Kind of a feel with that one. Um, yeah, it's true. Um, so, what are you thinking here, Jim Ryan, number three? Yeah, Hogwarts Legacy. I think uh, Hogwarts School is it should be number okay. one here. I like that. Okay, and then, then High Five Rush as our number two. Number two. Okay, and then all right. And ding dong, the gym is hey. dead. Uh, um. All right. So yeah, you just heard it there. Um, the winner of our anything goes award goes to Hogwarts school from Hogwarts legacy coming in at second place is the shadow drop of hi-fi rush. And in third place, Jim Ryan leaving Sony. And I want to, I also want to say that it's not that we're being mean spirited about Jim Ryan leaving. We're talking about Jim Ryan as the head of Sony, not Jim Ryan, the person, uh, this man decided he put 30 years in, he retired, he got a, party he got a exclusive a rare or like one of one a ps5 like he's, he's probably never he's held a be dual okay. sense in his life he's like what am i how do i hold this <laughs> he's he's nothing could be done about that stupid hair but he's gonna be okay uh and then beady we're talking eyes about them beady eyes and the beady eyes we're, we're talking about even though we're saying we're talking about the man as the leader and we went in on his physical attributes just now uh <laughs> i'm changing the third place to beady eye jim ryan 
<laughs> Leaving some. I did that for real, ladies. Uh, did I spell that wrong? Beady. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there we yeah, go. Beady. With there a D. There you go. Uh, all right. Let's move on, Pablo. We got to talk about the biggest disappointment award. These were the anticipated games of 2023 that should have been good, but left a lot to be desired or failed miserably. And the nominees are Atomic Heart, Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Fire Emblem Engage, Forspoken, Lords of the Fallen, Metal Gear Solid Master Collection Volume 1. Persona 5 Tactica, Redfall, Sea of Stars, The Last Case of Benedict Fox, and Thirsty Suitors. All right. Some of you want to fight. So there's some there's some games that people swear by them. Unclench your fists out there, y'all. Okay? Remember, we're friends. You don't feel you don't you don't <laughs> you don't punch your friends in the eye. Um, all right. Let what do you want to cut here, man? Lords of the Fallen, um, we could cut. Okay, it's disappointing in that, you know, with, with the hype behind it and 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 it being uh, dubbed the next like great uh, Souls like kind of game, it disappointed in in that sense. But at the same time, a game that was also in development hell it had restarted twice in terms of its development cycle, and the first game not being good to begin with. I think that you know this. I'm not very surprised that it was disappointing. Yeah, I uh, defer to you on that one. I never played it, but it just never looked like it was ever destined to be a good game. <laughs> so, uh, but maybe yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. the least offensive. Uh, maybe it is the least offensive, I mean. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let me get Sea of Stars out of here before some of you guys um, find my address online. Um, I just thought the I just thought that this was, um, it's a beautiful looking game. The music is good. Um, I think that the RPG mechanics are very rudimentary. And I also found the narrative to be painfully derivative and just very toothless. Um, doesn't take a lot of chances at all. It's just very, to me, it's very phoned in. And I think that the main protagonists are fucking boring. Um, so yeah. I just wasn't a fan of this at all. Um, but I know that a lot of people swear by it. I just, I, I don't think it's I very try, good. I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried because I, I wanted a, like a, a nice RPG, to turn-based oh, RPG too. to get into. And I just couldn't do it. And I tried. I, it just wasn't a game that really ever clicked for yeah. me uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, last case of Benedict Fox. I think we saw that in a in a Xbox showcase and thought it looked really cool. But uh, other than that, I mean, it didn't have the pedigree behind it. It wasn't really a game that uh, all you know we had too much high hopes for. We just thought it might be something interesting because it looked pretty yeah, cool. It's the last case, all right, though. There ain't gonna be no other cases. Yeah, we never seen that yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get Diablo Four out of here. I don't think it's uh, well. Mm, oh, actually, no, 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 minute. no, no. I can't. There ain't no, no way. No, I can't. I just thought about it. I'm. Like, I think that's a fucking lot. It might be. Honestly, yeah, I, I, I immediately the rage of disappointment crept right back into this. <laughs> yeah, it is. It just hit me as soon as I started articulating that. No, it's got to be. It's got to be there. Persona Five Tactica was announced, and immediately I was I was out on it. Um, <laughs> it I tried it just because it's Persona, and it, it it was what I thought it was going to be. Just kind of another one of those uh, spinoffs that this time didn't pan out for me. Yeah, I agree. Let me throw Thirsty Suitors yeah. in the mix too. Um, I don't know if I really had a lot of super high hopes for this one. I thought it could be cool, but 
ultimately i think that it uh just felt like a very okay game that i never really uh, anticipated um personally i can't see i can't speak to that on a personal level what about you yeah same thing i I actually thought uh, because i did see this uh uh, in a a showcase as well can't remember which one it was and again like like benedict uh the last case of benedict fox i thought it looked interesting and it was turn-based kind of thing and it had these really cool ideas but I don't think they really came together in a very interesting way for me. So I dropped, I fell off of this game pretty quickly. Okay. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Atomic Heart yeah. uh, should have been good because it had kind of all that stuff going for it. It looked a little bit like Bioshock. It, it had some money behind it, fully voiced. It, it looked really nice. An interesting concept. I love the alternative uh, history kind of stuff that... Uh, you know, some of these games do, and I, I thought this would have been a really good one. But the main protagonist is way too obnoxious. The, the, <laughs> the, the level design ultimately just wasn't very good, and the shooting didn't feel good. It just, it, it, but it was disappointing. It just wasn't the most disappointing game of the year. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Um, Forspoken for me was never a game that I thought was going to be incredible. I think th- there was a lot of concerns up until launch about the quippy dialogue and the cringy acting. Um, a lot of questions about the gameplay looking a little weird and off. Um, it, it just wasn't something I had circled on my calendar per se. So, Well, when First Spoken was first announced, you know, uh, people talked about it in a positive way because it was initially reported that Amy Hennig and Gary Witta uh, wrote the yep. game and it turns out that they wrote a very loose concept i even had an interaction with gary widow on twitter where i asked him directly about uh forespoken and all he said is he wrote a very quick idea about this game and everything else that took place in terms of the actual story characters was done by other mm. people uh and then leading up to it uh, after finding that out there were little things that uh, were concerning like the way they talked about the main protagonist being this you know uh, young black girl who was living a life of crime and had a very hip hoppity mm. walk is what they said and then obviously the visually the game looked oh good but the way the gameplay actually uh was uh, the way the gameplay looked didn't look great. And then the demo came out and was like, oh, this is mm-hmm. going to be not great. Uh, so there was a lot of things going against it from the get. So I couldn't say that I'm completely disappointed uh, by the time I actually played the game itself. Yeah. All right, we'll make that cut then. Uh, that leaves us with Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Fire Emblem Engage, MGS Master Collection Volume 1, and Redfall. Um, MGS Master Collection uh, 1, uh, Volume yeah. 1, right? That's a cut to me. It's Konami. We don't trust Konami. We yeah, don't trust yet. your ass. Not yet. You gotta do. You gotta do right yeah. by us next time. But you know, you can't. You can't put together those piss poor, uh, you know, ports that don't even yeah. play well, uh, despite how old they are. You can't even get them to sixty yeah, frames. PS One game running at thirty what frames. Doing? What the fuck what are you doing? doing? Oh man, Redfall. This is inter- Fire Emblem. Each. Final F- Every single game on this list was disappointing as all mm. fuck. Um, I, okay, oof. Marco. Go ahead. Go ahead. If I had to make a cut, it would either come down to Diablo or Fire Emblem for me. Fire Emblem See, was, was uh, bad to the point where I didn't really play much of it at all. 
Diablo 4, I stuck with it a lot longer, but ultimately, obviously, I was very disappointed, um, supremely disappointed. It's, it's hard to it's, gauge. Well, we did our, our most anticipated games at the beginning of the year, um, and we also did an update before some of these games came out. I think Diablo 4, Final Fantasy, and Fire Emblem Engage were on the, were on those uh, most anticipated you're right. yeah. lists. Redfall was always a question mark. It was mark for, me. for me, yes. Uh, yeah, and, and when it first announced, it was like, oh, what is this? Okay, uh, you know, it's Arcane. I have some faith in Arcane. And then the, the, the reports coming out that it's a uh, multiplayer game. Oh, that's not what I want from Arcane, but okay, I can vibe with it. Uh, and then some of the some of the previews started coming out, some conversations about it. Then the 30 frame thing came out. There was just a lot going against this game. Uh I just didn't expect it to be as bad as it was, but I can't say that it was like highly anticipated due to the fact that it was one, an arcane game that wasn't something that they do, which was multiplayer centric kind of game Two, the fact that it didn't really showcase very well. And the previews were always calling into question a lot of things, including enemy AI and things like that. So it went against a lot of the things that make arcane games special off rip. So even though I was caught, I was more interested in, and in, 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 I guess uh, morbidly uh, interested in what this game would turn out to be. I don't think I was ever as hyped for this game as I was for Diablo four, final fantasy 16 or fire emblem engaged. I do get where you're coming from. And on a personal level, I, you know, I've been on record many times saying I've, I've never really liked arcane. Um, I don't like their work. I don't like Prey. I don't like Dishonored. I don't like any of that stuff. I just think they don't make games that really work well for me, and they don't. They never really control that great either. Um, uh, it's it's super unfortunate to see how um, unquestionably bad this turned out to be. But I, I guess in keeping with the spirit of what you said, I had questions and doubts from the jump. As soon as this thing was shown, every gameplay video I saw. I'm like, this doesn't look right. There's something off. There's something wrong. Yeah, you were on that. And uh, I called out the AI. I'm like, this AI looks dumb. And it was one of the worst parts of the launch. And it still is. And a lot of other things that I was kind of uh, Marco Domasing and that came to fruition about it. So I guess for me, I never anticipated enough for it to be a shock for me that it was so bad. But I guess the extent of its badness is kind of what I would say is maybe in contention here. I, uh, it would be weird to cut it, but I, I can also see a, a reason to cut it. If, if you want to, uh, you're, you're more of the, the fan of arcane than me. Do you think this is a cut or not? I, I guess I would put it this way. If someone were to tell you before we knew what these games were and new Diablo games coming out and new Final Fantasy game coming out and on the heels of, of Three Houses, a new Fire Emblem is coming out and a arcane game that doesn't do anything arcane is known for were to come out. <laughs> like, it's kind of like, damn, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm so, I am shocked, not disappointed how bad Redfall was. Mm. But at, at, in terms of a purely being disappointed about something i there, there's no more there's no bigger disappointment for me than diablo 4 final fantasy 16 and fire emblem Engage, right. honestly we'll make the cut um that leaves us with the three you just mentioned um i think that the least egregious <laughs> the least egregious one for me um 
is Diablo four. Right. Um, that's just me. Do you, are you aligned there or, or what do you think? I know we're, we're, we're picking between rotten ass apples right now, but. Oh man. I, it's just not a bad, it's not a bad it's, game. It, it was just a disappointing game. I think, I think Fire Emblem is bad and disappointing. Because it's a two person show yeah. and you only have my opinion, your opinion and you, and I put 30 hours into Diablo 4 and I, and you played a Diablo for a long time and found some enjoyment in some of it. I it's did. just the fact that it wasn't what it wasn't the sequel to three you thought was going to be. And that sense you're disappointed. I could agree. I would personally have fire emblem at number three, but I think that Wait, you're right. No, I think Diablo- no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. And here's why I'm wrong. I just thought of this, this, the, the seasonal content was was abysmal uh, yeah. i paid for that and i'm I, I it was so bad that i didn't even go try it because of how bad it was <laughs> never mind never mind i i'm, Mar- you, I'm like, it's funny because we've seen we've seen marco <laughs> in this segment literally check himself two times for diablo 4 he wants Skill he still wants to one. love this game <laughs> He still wants to love this game, even though he knows uh, deep in his heart it, 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 it it's not oh working out for him. Okay, I'm glad so I remembered that though. If I had, I, if I li- on the listen back, I would have been tight that I forgot that. Oh man, yeah, no, Diablo, Diablo <laughs> man, floor, floor hit the floor, yeah. Um. <laughs> Diablo floor hit that floor. Um, ladies and gentlemen, well, if you've been listening to our yes. show this year, talk about it. You know how we feel about Final Fantasy sixteen. Uh, I I am not a big as fan of Final Fantasy as Marco is, though I do love Final Fantasy. Um, and on the heels of Final Fantasy Remake, and I love Final Fantasy 15. I'm one of the weird ones that like that game. Final Fantasy 16 showcased and presented itself as the next massively successful Final Fantasy game for me in terms of it being in the same league as 10, 7, uh, and and and. and <laughs> The fact that this game not only wasn't amongst, for me, the best Final Fantasy games, but actually among the worst of those games. I mean, I don't know how Marco isn't sitting there and crying right now because this man loves Final Fantasy and he would he would I think he would have I think he would have gone to his head, said Final Fantasy 16 is going to be a great game because my game of the year prediction for myself. Yeah, I mean, and 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 how I knew Final Fantasy sixteen was going to be the most disappointing game <laughs> as soon as I, I I as soon as I, I I stopped playing it. Which, by the way, I put close to forty five hours into that game. I tried, and I will say, it had its moments that I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's gonna get good here. Maybe it's gonna get good after this, and it never did. It always took. One step forward and fifteen steps back for me. It was just that bad of an experience, Marco. I, I, I what do you yeah. got to say, brother? Pablo's right. I eat, sleep, and shit Final Fantasy. When, when, when Ew. I shit, you hear. It's, you know, a Buster Sword will come out. Um, hey, ow! <laughs> well, I just did a an accident on the Christopher you Walken. Did that. Hey, ow! Um, look. My rant about Final Fantasy 16 is probably one of the highlight lowlights of the year of our show. Um, For sure. This game is bad. It's just so bad. It It is not an RPG. Yes, I'm of that nope. camp. I don't I don't I don't want to play Devil May Clive. I want to play Final Fantasy <laughs> 16. 
from this esteemed franchise of Japanese RPGs. And we didn't get that. We got a very poor diet imitation of, of an RPG that was uh, really feigning its RPG mechanics more than it actually exercised them in the moment-to-moment gameplay. I think the story, the characters, and the overall progression of those things all sucked. Um, I found it to be painfully dull uh, narratively. I thought the locations and the worlds, uh, the, the world that they showed off, had so much promise but fell so, so flat in the end. Um, I felt like the, uh, the, the, the quest structure, the side quest and the pet, the padding, oh my God, go collect these clumps of fucking dirt as a main fucking quest. <laughs> it, it fix my boat. Give me flowers. This motherfucker Clive is trying to save life itself. Can you do this on your own motherfucker? Like, it, it, but this, this <laughs> game was built almost with the sensibilities of an MMO of a padded filler yep. quest to go collect three of these and bring it back here so I can give you some bullshit you really don't even need. Here's a potion uh, or something you can do crafting with, which was also half-baked. Everything from top to bottom in this game was underwhelming down to the boss fights, which I think were heavily scripted bullshit that felt Straight out of a Bayonetta game where you're punching somebody's ankle who's uh, 10 times bigger than you. <laughs> and the few boss fights that were actually cool, which there is one that we are going to shout out uh, later on in Best Moments. Even then, it by that point, the damage had been done. Um, every nook and cranny of this game to me is a blunder. Um, and it is the complete opposite of what I thought this was going to be when we saw all those banging ass trailers. I've never come into a game as confident in its potential for greatness as I did with 16. And the, 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 the ways that it let me down were profuse. They were undeniable. There was no, there was no way for the fan in me to justify it or spin it. It was just undeniably irredeemably awful. And that's why it is going to be number one in this motherfucking category, man. I'm, I'm doing a lot of cussing Absolutely. right now. I'm going to think I've used all my cuss <laughs> words for today. Um, so with that being said, Pablo, the biggest disappointment of 2023 for us is none other than Final Fantasy 16, with second place going to Diablo 4 and third place Fire Emblem Engage. All right. Let's talk about positive stuff now. I need to get this hate out of my heart. Um, so let's talk about the next category. You need Jesus. <laughs> um, biggest surprise. These are the games that fell under the radar or faced skepticism that overachieved or turned out way better than expected. The nominees are Baldur's Gate 3, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, Dead Island 2, Exo Primal, Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts Legacy, Immortals of Avium, Lies of P, Robocop Rogue City, Star Ocean, the second story R, and Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. All right. Neat little list here. Let's make some cuts. Yep. What do you got? Yeah, Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. For the longest, I've always said, man, and I'm one of those guys that I do like musicals, I'll admit that. And I was like, man, what if they ever made a musical video game? And they did it, and it was actually pretty good. Uh, it wasn't perfect. Uh, I just, in my head, I always thought, if they didn't make, if they haven't made a game that's a musical yet, it's because it, it wouldn't work. And it does work really nicely here. I think that it's one of those games that I didn't know was even existed until it was fi- finally came out. And then 
playing through that, I, I really I really enjoyed my time with it. And I thought they executed that premise really good. But it's definitely not the biggest surprise of the year or a top three. Yeah, I, I take your word for that. I didn't play it, but um, I know you liked it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you at least gave it a shot and you enjoyed it. But um, biggest mm-hmm. surprise, maybe not. Um, <clears throat> let me say, because Exoprimal was okay, it is a mid kind of game. Um, I'm I'm surprised that it became mid because I had so much doubts about it, but mm-hmm. biggest surprise probably not. So I'll cut that. We'll get that out of here. Yeah, in that same vein, RoboCop, Rogue City. You know, this game I would for sure have said this game was the biggest. It was going to be the biggest piece of shit to ever come out, <laughs> and it wasn't. It wasn't that. Uh, it, for me, I, I liked it more than Marco for sure, yeah. but it definitely its surprise comes to the fact that it wasn't complete trash. Yeah. Um, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. Um, could have been another poor man's great value jet set radio. Uh, it turned out to be a very faithful and surprisingly on point representation of that franchise. Um, that I think is one of the best spiritual successes I've ever seen. Um, but I won't say that it was a huge surprise because I, I, I was fairly confident in it being pretty yeah. good from everything I had seen and heard from people who had, um, you know, been in the know. So, um, I'm glad it turned out great. But um, yeah, biggest surprise probably not. So yeah, Dead Island Two is also one of those games that fall under the camp of I can't believe this isn't a complete and utter mess <laughs> because of the fact that it was in like like I said, it was the butt of every joke when it came to to talking about a game that's cool, cool still in development. It took almost a whole decade for this game to come out, and it came out and it wasn't trash. So good on it. But as in terms of like the quality of the overall game. There are games on here that are actually really good games. Um, Got another one? What else? Yeah, Star Ocean, the second story. Are, I'm still playing through that. I'm surprised about how of how much I, I like that game. But in retrospect, you know, kind of my ignorance... Uh, in total with this with the star ocean series um it's it, it it's a surprise to me and nobody else uh, people who know about what this game is and the legacy of the game expected this to be pretty good and so the fact that it is um we could take it out as big a surprise because ultimately uh its legacy uh uh precedes it in a way that um you know it, it was always probably going to be mm. okay um how about Immortals of Avium? It's 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 yeah. surprising that it's it's it reached a, a, a decent mediocre status. Um, I, I don't know if it really faced any skepticism before it came out, or it did fall under the radar. No one really seemed to care about it, so I think it does belong here in this category. But the biggest surprise of the and bunch, it, or top three, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. It got delayed out of July, which there was no, no nothing really big coming out where it could have really, sh- you know, had a moment yeah. there. Uh, and then it released in a really busy time. And it's still, I think, it, the fact that it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. I, I really feel like, um, unfortunately, you know, I think a sequel could have really taken this game to the next level. But I don't think we'll ever be seeing that since that studio got shut down. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about Baldur's Gate yeah, 3 because, you know, people who, who are t- hearing about, you know, hearing this like, what? Big a surprise. You guys are full of shit and lying if you thought Baldur's Gate 3 was going to be as good as it turned out to be. It has a current 96 on Open Critic. Um, I, I know even people who are fan of Baldur's Gate, people who participated in the in the in the open betas and alphas. Everybody thought this game that that participant was going to be good. But even those people had no idea 
what the final package was going to be. It, you know, I think ultimately for me, I, a, a CRPG is not something that I gravitate towards to. It's definitely uh, a Dungeons and Dragons game, which I've never played because uh, I'm not a complete fucking dork. All right. All right. Uh, I'm just kidding. I actually would love to to to, to play Dungeons and Dragons one day. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but um, I, I think that for me, having all these things going against it uh, and it being a a a a masterpiece uh, in many respects, and it and it not only. Uh, being good but also for what many people are saying has revitalized and changed the way people will look at and experience crpgs in the future i don't think people thought this game was going to do all those things you know uh and larian always makes good games for sure but they always make good crpgs and the fact that Baldur's gate has break has broken through not only for me but for you as well marco in terms of a game that we're actively playing and enjoying I think that that for me solidifies it as one of the biggest surprises of the year. I see where you're coming from. I I guess my big hang up is the pedigree of Larian Studios. Um, you you did mention it in your pitch there. I I I guess I just lean into that part of it a little bit more because, um, I think that it, it they what what's the bad game they've made? You know, so like maybe if you're talking about that, it was so good that it captured people on a, a commercial success. Um, even that's a little subjective because I mean it didn't sell the greatest on consoles. I mean it it did reach number one on Xbox. I don't know how long it's gonna stay there, but um, and it was like and it was like number one or two on on PlayStation for a while as well. I don't know. Um, I guess I just I, look, the pedigree I, of that studio made me not so surprised that it turned out great. Um, but the pedigree of that studio is is within CRPGs. Like I like I don't know this for a fact. Did you play Divinity Original Sin mm-hmm. Two? Yeah. You know I didn't. You know not really. Divi- you know the original uh, Divinity Original Sin. Like these games, they they've made great CRPGs for the longest, but they've never broken through to the point where. They made a Baldur's. They made a game that is, even though it is a CRPG, it isn't held back by by that at all. You know, I think it, it, it's a game that wh- whoever's putting enough time into it will really get a lot out of it. And just the the, the that alone, I feel like is is unique, uh, even for Larian, because they've made great those kinds of games, and they've never really broken into the mainstream that in the way that they've broken into it with Baldur's Gate. 3. I guess. Uh, I, I would personally say this is a cut for me, but if you were to make a cut to keep it on the list, then, I mean, we're down to Baldur's Gate, Hi-Fi Rush, Hogwarts Legacy, and Lies of P, then, then what would you cut? Uh, okay, so Hi-Fi Rush, the surprise factors are all kind of attached to its shadow release because nobody really thought it was, nobody knew this game existed, like I mentioned before, and then it comes out and it's good. But if we knew that Hi-Fi Rush was a game that was coming and it comes out and it's good, I, I don't know. Would we really be that surprised? I would be. That this game is as good as because it is? Because Tango is a horror survival horror studio. True. Yeah. This is not, this isn't even close to that. So I would never expect this to even be, exist, let alone be good coming from Tango Gameworks, the makers of the evil within and uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. So... It is it is quite it, jarringly surprising for for me, I suppose. But you know, I guess I guess in the spirit of kind of even the description of this uh, specific, even though we're not completely bounded by that either. But 
like the whole overachievement of it all also kind of speaks for Baldur's Gate 3 more than well, it depends on the perspective. If like, you're thinking commercial success, right. then maybe overachieving applies. But if you're looking at the quality of the game, then overachieving overachieving can apply too. So I think it's it's down to our interpretation of that and how we want to use that to leverage whatever game we want to pick. Um, yeah. So I what I take from this, I mean, uh, do we have any contention against Liza P and Hogwarts Legacy being in the top three? Are those locks? No, those are okay. locks for me. So then we are down to Hi-Fi or Baldur's yeah. Gate. Um, I will concede to Baldur's Gate 3 being here. Um, I I do recognize your points. I, I just, I guess personally, I found Hi-Fi Rush considering the portfolio. This is like, this is like Larian Studios deciding to make like a Smash Brothers clone in my brain. That's how right. jarring it is for, for someone like me to see a studio like this make a Hi-Fi Rush type of game. But I, I can't understand that from your perspective, a CRPG um, that's very D&D, um, breaking through on a commercial level, and um, for as great as their other games are, being that much better than their previous games, um, you know, that, that can be looked at as overachieving and being better than expected. Um, especially since the bar was already set pretty high for them, so I, I'll I'll concede, um, and we'll cut high five. I, I, I actually look at it from a critic standpoint. Like a ninety six is only Tears of the Kingdom achieved a ninety six this year, mm-hmm. and I don't, I just don't, I just don't believe anybody who would tell me that they thought this game was going to be like that good of a game, because the fact of the matter is, is throughout the year before the game even came out, nobody was talking about Baldur's Gate 3. They just mm-hmm. weren't. People were talking nonstop talking about Tears of the Kingdom and the expectations that that game had. And Baldur's Gate 3 just came out of nowhere and became a critical darling and made, you know, non-fans fans of the genre. And and, and I, I just feel like in, in every way, Baldur's Gate 3 surprised me. But if you don't, I know we cut um, Hi-Fi Rush, but if you don't feel comfortable with with that, just in terms of the spirit of the category, I, I would concede Baldur's Gate three for Hi-Fi Rush because no, I mean no. I, I'd, I'd be lying if I thought if I said Hi-Fi Rush three wasn't a surprise. No, let, let's go ahead and keep Baldur's Gate in there because you, you know you you make a sound argument. Um, I, I, as long as it's third place, I think we'll be okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. where does that leave Hogwarts Legacy and Lies of P in your opinion? Who what's taken number one and number two in your in your eyes? I think. For me personally, without a doubt, Liza P is my winner. Uh, in that, okay, it, it, it's a, a game that I didn't think was going to be good. Uh, the premise seemed silly to me, and it was obviously a, a, a trying to be very much a bloodborne in terms of its visual aesthetic, but a, a, a souls like nonetheless. And we know the history of games that try to do that either are mediocre or just fall flat on their face, like Lords of the Fallen, for example, just this year mm-hmm. alone. And, and the countless other Souls-likes that, that came out even this year that we, we haven't even mentioned or will talk about. And the fact that Liza P not only worked in terms of its Souls-like mechanics, it accomplished that, but the fact that this is a game about Pinocchio where I made uh, endless jokes about the premise of this and it actually being good. The fact that it is Pinocchio makes this game better because of the story they told and how they told it. I just never in a million years would I thought Liza P would be not only a a good game, but a fucking great game. Yeah, I um, I go Hogwarts here. Um, 
Okay. Uh, and I, I accept and I, I agree with everything you just said about Liza P. So if this ends up being the winner, then that's totally fine. I think what Hogwarts it's dealt okay. with in terms of the controversy of J.K. Rowling and the amount of hate and uh, skepticism that was levied against this studio um, for the team behind the game dealing with a lot of um, harassment online, um, you know, you're supporting a bigot and blah, blah, blah. It would have been so easy if this game came out and it was terrible. It could have been the laughing stock. Hey, you guys made this game and it sucked. It turned out to be great. And it turned out to be so faithful to the source material um, in a way that I think even if you are as staunch against J.K. Rowling as I, I think we both are, um, you, you can separate this from that and go, yeah, but this game delivered. Um, we do it all. The, we do we it do. all the time as a society. We do it all the time. People love Disney, and Walt Disney was a piece of shit, mm-hmm. anti-Semite, racist. Like it, we do it all the time, but for whatever reason, we decided, or people decided that 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 we couldn't separate Hogwarts Legacy from its creator, even though its creator had nothing to do with this game in the slightest, other than. The IP, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I, it, it's not even and, that it fell under the, the radar. It's that people were pushing it under the radar manually in a way right, where we don't right. want you and they're still doing it. So it's mm-hmm. still facing a lot of adversity in, in that sense. So I think it, it's, it's more of a red hot issue um, surrounding the game and, and, and obviously the creator of the wizarding world and Harry Potter. Um, I think Liza P you makes know, a sound case, as you said, it's just more of the, you know, the silly, like, Pinocchio kind of, a you know, that kind yep. of energy. Which I fell victim but, to. Yeah. Actually, you know what, Marco? I think you're right. Because when you look at, no pun intended, the legacy of <laughs> of Harry Potter games throughout, you know, its, its history, they've all been pretty bad. I think people gravitate towards like the like the uh, Harry Potter Lego games as being good games, but... You know, I think when you look at that, and then you look at this game, that isn't just good. It's again great as well. It's it's one of those games that I feel like a licensed IP, and then it comes out swinging as one of the best RPGs uh, mm-hmm. of the year uh, within that conversation. I think that's an accomplishment onto itself. I, I think that. You're right. You know, I, I, we didn't know anything about the, the people behind Liza P, but now we know that they're good at making fucking video games. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy had a lot going against it, and it turned out to be one of the best games of the year. So I, I, I'm okay with it being the winner. And, you know, they, they did a lot in terms of inclusion in that game, too. Uh, having a trans character yeah. in the game, uh, all races, and, and, you know, that was all accounted for. Uh, in a way that I felt was really good and um, it, it, it felt fitting and it it kind of, you know, proved a lot of the, the hate wrong. And, um, you know, it, it's it's such a shame that people are still denying it of its recognition because of, you know, their feelings about the creator of this whole thing. But um, I've always been the guy yelling, keep that same energy about other things that you buy and consume as a consumer. And I just think there's a lot of hypocrisy in the space right now in that way. Um, and it. Yeah. yeah, and it did everything it possibly could for in, in terms of it trying to bucking the trend a little bit of the yep. Harry Potter movies. Because when you look at Harry Potter films, there's like two black kids. They have an Asian character called Cho Chang. 
Like it's 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 really bad when you start looking at that in terms of the you know the movies and the books itself and the fact that this game is separate from her other than from JK yep. and and kind of doing its own thing and and you know also realizing that diversity was an issue and adding that to to the game because they felt it was the right thing to do. I think I think it, it really works in its in its favor, and people are, are the argument that is like, well, they're just being they're pandering. No, they're they're not pandering. They're trying to rectify some wrongs exactly. that the Harry Potter series has always. So when do had. we give them credit for that? When are we ever going to give like, okay, they're 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 righting the wrongs? Can we can can't why yeah. can't we acknowledge that? And it just feels weird that yep. um, pre-launch and post-launch people just refuse to accept that. Oh, this actually did right by you know. Um, the LGBTQ yeah. plus community, and and it doesn't have that stench of what J.K. Rowling was doing when she was kind of you know in the driver's seat. Um, so yeah, I, that's kind of why I pushed for it. So if we're comfortable with that, yeah. Pablo, then I think that locks in. I'm good. Um, the winner here. So the winner for biggest surprise of 2023 is Hogwarts Legacy, with second place going to Lies of P and Baldur's Gate three being number three. All right, we're getting down to the wire here, Pablo. Um, this is a little FYI for the listeners. The next couple of categories are going to uh, potentially have some spoilers, so please be aware. Um, if you are spoiler sensitive to any of these games, uh, or games or characters or moments we're going to list off moving forward, um, just FYI, um, just skip ahead where you can, how you can. Um, with that being said, our next category is for Best Character. These are the characters that excelled in most or all aspects of depth, traits, writing, voice acting, impact, and more. And the nominees, this is a big, big list. We're going to have to get super aggressive cutting, but uh, here's what we got. Yeah. Uh, I'll just read it off like this. Okay. From, from Alan Wake 2, we have Alan Wake, Alex Casey, Warland Dorr, Tim Breaker, and Saga Anderson. From Baldur's Gate 3, we have Asterian. Lord Enver Gortash, if I'm saying that right, and Shadowheart. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Hyde from Coffee Talk Episode 2, Johnny Silverhand from Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, as well as Songbird from Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty. We have Sid from Final Fantasy 16. We have Chai and Peppermint from Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, we have Kazuma Kiryu from Like a Dragon Gaiden. We have Jacob and Riley from Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals. From Hogwarts Legacy, we have Sebastian Salo. From Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores, we have Seika. We have Miles Morales from Marvel Spider-Man 2. Leon S. Kennedy from Resident Evil 4. Robocop from Robocop, Rogue City. We have <laughs> Sarah Morgan, Andrea, and Sam Coe from Starfield. Grace from Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. Kamina Drummer from The Expanse, a Telltale series, and Raru from The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, all right. Yeah, we got we got to cut pretty aggressively here, man. Um, yeah. Any any sweeping cuts we can make here to lighten the load? I think uh, Saga Anderson, uh, Lord Enver Gortash can go. Uh, Saga Anderson, I, I, I like her characterization. It's just in terms of you know her voice acting uh it really took you out of the experience i think that i think alan wake 2 is all about being in the moment of those games and i think anytime you played a saga i like her story i like where it went i like how it ended i liked all the thing about it it's just every time she spoke i was like hey wait a minute 
so I I, I, I disagree. Let's keep oh, it yeah? in there. I want, okay. I want to talk about that one, but right. I, I don't. Uh, I, I haven't encountered this Lord Enver yet. Um, yeah, I won't. I won't so. Because we're gonna cut it so early, I won't even. I okay. won't even kind of spoil okay. it. Uh, but yeah, I think he. I think he's interesting character. Okay. All right. Since I got shut down, <laughs> um, <laughs> let, I, I, how would you feel about getting rid of uh, Chai and Peppermint from Hi-Fi yeah, Rush? Yeah, the fun, fun-loving character in Chai. Peppermint was a nice complimentary piece of that, but um, not Absolutely. not top three material. Um, mm-hmm. Pablo, let, let me kind of go big here, a little bit maybe. I think all three characters from Starfield can go. Okay. Yes, I, I. I I, I'm not going to fight you on that. I think Andreja, if you really got to know her and kind of th- her actual story and her missions, I think that she's really an interesting character. She she's she's not like Sarah Morgan or Sam Cohen the slightest. She there's there's a lot of darkness to her. Uh, I think she was a, a an absolute standout in terms of the companions uh, and my wife. Uh, in, in, in that game, but I, I, I I'm good with getting All right. rid of them. That's three less. Okay, starting to look a little bit lighter. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, all right. Alex Murphy, yeah. uh, from RoboCop, yeah. uh, and Grace from Stray Gods. I think both those characters are really cool. I think that the stuff they did with Alex Murphy expanding upon his character in terms of the battle between being fully robot or or keeping some humanity to him is really interesting. It's just that never really fleshes out throughout the story itself so it's kind of a stagnant in, in its approach to that so i would i would be okay with getting rid okay. of them i will cut sebastian Salo from hogwarts legacy i thought he was a great great side character with a really neat arc um that that hit home on a family level oh, yeah and seika from horizon forbidden west burning shores i think that she really rounded out aloy in a pretty nice way and um was a really surprisingly nice addition to the fold uh, in that narrative, but not enough to stand with these juggernauts on this list. And I'll say um, Hyde from Coffee Talk Episode 2, my favorite character of the series by far. Uh, I think I just have a lot in common with, with him in terms of personality, and he's like the advice-giving uh, grump, and that's that's Marco McGee. Uh, but, you know, um, <laughs> I think other characters are just more memorable on this list, so shout out to Hyde. We love um, Resident Evil Four, but Leon S. Kennedy. Um, oh man, I love me some is, Leon, man. I like Leon too, but okay, fine. We'll keep him. We'll keep him. We'll keep him. Yeah, we'll keep him. I, was, I almost I mean, had a little I, hot flash when you said when he's quippy. Quippy. He he. he I like his little like his little ass. stupid it's not jokes. Like corny. Quippy, yeah, yeah, it's like smart ass stuff. I'll show myself out. And right, he dives right. Okay, out the I'm okay. I'm, I just kind of was thinking about like the overall like Resident Evil's games aren't really known for like their great characterization no, no. in a lot of ways but i think i i think re4 might be the he's exception got cool factor and he's got characters. like you know a, a snarky personality and i just kind of dig that let me just see how the rest of the list shakes out and then maybe okay. we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that um all right i i think sid from final fantasy 16 can go uh he to me was a bright Oof. spot I, I don't think they know what they had in that character and um one thing led to another and he's no longer in the picture in that game pretty early on and i think the game just really didn't recover um and to the point where i kind of wanted him to be the lead protagonist i ain't gonna lie um yeah. i was hoping for like a and, like and, a metal gear plot twist where you actually play as raiden instead of snake but you get sid instead of clive that's what i was hoping for love and fire um all right okay so how about i get a little controversial okay. um how about the man himself alan wake yeah i could see that 
I can see that. I like Alan Wake as like the the center of the story and everything that he does, how it basically creates the game that we're playing. But Alan Wake as the person in terms of like how he was voice acted and kind of his traits and his depth, I, I it just didn't didn't do much from Alan Wake one to two. He was whiny. I didn't really like the voice acting. He was too always much. in a state of perpetual lot- like um discombobulation that and is- panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta get out. He Gotta was... save Alice. Gotta do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alice. Yeah, I can see that. Um, while we're talking about Alan Wake 2 a little bit, I think, to me, Alex Casey's a really cool character. I, I do like him. Uh, I don't know if he gets enough shine um, in in this story. And I would say the same for Whirl and Door. I think he's a really like unique character. He's got a mystique to, to him as well. But I'm, I'm hoping that the... Um, expansions really bring more attention to those two characters uh as well and tim breaker i would even say um you know maybe maybe they're holding back on what they're going to do with that character in in the expansions maybe we just kind of revisit those um uh next year yeah as for as for well no i think we could cut them as for alex casey you know obviously rest rest in peace james uh mccaffrey uh voced yes alex casey uh passed away very recently so uh, it sucks but um yeah i i do like that character but you're right i don't think he got enough shine Mm. yeah i hope uh, i hope his james mccaffrey's death doesn't kind of ruin anything that they're doing for the uh, expansions. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe hopefully but, they recorded everything in advance, but we'll see. Yeah. 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 Um any cuts on your side? <sighs> oh man. I got another one. Yeah, Miles go ahead, Morales. Yeah. Miles Morales. Okay, perfect. He was a standout of that game. He was. And I and I think that the voice actor really found him yes. in this game. I think, you know, that's when he re- really stood out to me. I think that his 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 portrayal and characterization as Spider-Man, I think are are so good and I'm and I'm ready for for him to take over the series because I find him so much more interesting than than, than Peter Parker. I totally point. agree. Um Pete, I think he had to carry Pete a lot of times in that story. Uh, and I yeah. didn't like Miles at all uh, in his reveal in Miles Morales. I thought he was his voice acting was really grating. But I don't know. They they turned him around, and he was actually probably my favorite person to yeah. play. So, yeah, shout out to Absolutely. Miles. Um, all right. Kamina Drummer from the Expanse Telltale series. I think it was a great, faithful um reprisal of that character um the accent of uh, is just it's it's one of a kind and she nails it so flawlessly so uh, good speaking of carrying a game belta yeah uh i love i love that character uh she's awesome but i just don't think it's gonna stand the test of uh the rest of the contenders here so that brings us down quite significantly. We're down to Saga Anderson from Alan Wake 2, Asterian and Shadowheart from Baldur's Gate 3, Johnny Silverhand and Songbird from Cyberpunk, Kazuma Kiryu from Like a Dragon, Gaiden, Jacob and Riley from Oxenfree 2, Leon Kennedy from RE4, and Raru from Zelda. Um, what's going on with you, man? Okay, now it's... Oh, man, there's so much here. Talk to me about Saga Anderson because I wanted to get rid of her earlier, uh, but I, you felt pretty strongly about I did. her. Um, talk yeah, to me. you know what really got me with her um, was the family element of her character. Yeah, um, I think that 
her her fight against the, the the nature of the story, and I mean that literally, the story that was being written in the game, if you follow the plot of Alan Wake 2, uh, was was really heartbreaking, um, seeing what she was fighting through and, and the, the fear of losing her daughter um, out of out of her control, um, trying to figure out who she is in her own right with family and the implications that are made about who her father is, which I think I'll, I'll keep under wraps. But, um, you know, the, the, that whole element, her relationship with Tor and Odin, I think was really, was really impressive to me. Um, the, the mind place scene, we don't have it in best moment, um, but her, her scene in uh, her, her mind place where um, she was fighting back while in the dark place um, and kind of pushing through the stuff that was going on her board about her daughter being gone and putting up picture after picture after picture of her, like things like that. I think, um, I think it was really powerful stuff for me and I felt for her and I connected with hey, her man. in a pretty big way that I wasn't expecting to. At the beginning of the game, she, she came off to me as this person that was like weirdly gung ho about going and solving a murder. Um, and by the time the credits rolled, I, I actually enjoyed playing as her the most and I connected with her in a level I didn't think I would. You really convinced me because I, I think I put too much emphasis on her voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to like her, her characterization, the depth of that character. And then I think you're right. I think she's definitely a standout. Yeah. Um, so thank you for checking me. All on good. That. Um, let's see. You've been quiet I'm, on cuts. Okay. Man, so I'm, I'm going to let you have the floor. What do you got? Come on. There's no, is there an, uh, is there a world where out of the three, two Baldur's Gate characters are, are in the top three? I don't think so. Um, okay. So who, cause I, I can't. I know he was nominated and won for best um, uh, for best uh, portrayal. I'm talking about Asterion. I just love Shadowheart. Yeah, I'm a Shadowheart stan. Uh, Shadowheart is is amazing yeah. uh, to me, and I think that I like Asterion's story more than any of the companions. And hopefully, you'll you'll get to experience that. I think it's it's the best companion quest. Uh, and I don't think any of them come close. I think his performance is a little campy. It is. It's it's you know, almost too smug he, at times. It's, you know, it's very yeah, hoity-toity yeah. in a he way. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a little too much. And I think that that bigness, kind of how big he went, kind of got him that nomination and that win. But I don't think he's the best character overall. Again, I like his story, but it has little to do with him and more about the 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 world he's involved in and the things that he's involved in rather than uh him being the character himself so i think shadowheart for me is is if we're going to keep a Baldur's gate character it's, it's shadowheart it. and it's not i close. love it yeah. yeah um shout out to to lizel uh i Lizelle don't think cool. she's the first yeah, yeah. uh have you gotten I'm, her I'm again working on her her side content and it's it's yeah it's definitely like wow okay interesting yeah. um yeah all right. Uh, you know, Raru from Zelda, I think, was a, a pleasant surprise in the way that he made this mystical race from centuries ago mm-hmm. feel kind of cool. I like his design. He looks dope. His design is his, amazing. His uh, dialogue was really ni- nice. Um, I, I just I liked him. Uh, I just felt like he just didn't get a lot of time uh, in that game. Right. And I wish he kind of did. Um I, I can go both ways. I can I can keep him on longer. I can I can rip off no, the band aid no. now. Yeah, okay. let's do it. But surprisingly yeah. good character. I really enjoyed him. 
Um, who oh boy, uh, shit. So, all right, all right. Are, are, do we have to pit Jacob against Riley? Yeah, I think we do. Um, and I think okay. we're both on different camps here, from what I remember us talking about. I think I liked Riley more yeah, than you, I'm, and I'm, you like Jacob more than me, right? Yes, but <laughs> I think Riley's the character. Okay, all right. I think I think she has way more in terms of depth. I would I agree. Think her struggle with her with herself and and, and and the things that happen with her family, with her and her, her relationship with her and father. Her though and, and yeah, oh yeah, and then mm-hmm. yep. Oh yeah. That that's that's a beautiful moment. Uh, you know, kind of her seeing what could be and and, and it just there's so much to this game that is we'll definitely talk about it a little later. Yeah. Uh but I think Riley is is, is a great fucking character, man. Oh man, it's not going to get any easier from here. So let me kind of let me go ahead and part ways with Leon now. Let me not let me not mm-hmm. belabor that. I think uh, he's had his time uh, hanging in this list for a while. I w- I would love to see him stick, but I just don't think he can against these guys and girls. Uh, that leaves us with Saga Anderson from Alan Wake Two, Shadowheart from Baldur's Gate Three, Johnny Silverhand and Songbird from so- uh, Cyberpunk, uh, Kiryu from Like a Dragon Gaiden, and Riley from Oxenfree Two. Um, Let's talk cyberpunk. Let's okay. talk cyberpunk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Where are we at? Because I, I, I listen, I know that Johnny is not necessarily a new character, but damn. I mean, it just stops in nowhere in its in its uh, greatness uh, of, of his portrayal. It just keeps getting better and better every time I've seen him on screen. Um, is he a keeper? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, I like Songbird quite a bit, but she's more of a MacGuffin in terms of the a story. Bit, yeah. You know, I agree. you're trying to save her. You're trying to save her. And it's, you know, and, you know, she's a she's a great character on her own. And I think <laughs> she has some depth to her. And I, and I think that, you know, the, the the thing that really made her stand out was her place in the story and less about her as a character. I totally agree. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't want. I don't want to cut uh, Kiryu. Um, I think. Hmm. Then where do we go? Is it? <laughs> because what? We, uh, hmm. Let me. My case for Kiryu is like, this is a person we've been with for a long time. Like Johnny Silverhand, he's not. He's not in any way, shape, or form a new character. But this is a. This is this is the final form of Kasuma Kiryu. Uh, I, you know in terms of seeing the things that he's been through and the emotional ending of that game and kind of like all those things coming into, coming into, into like coming into clear view with him in terms of the impact he had throughout all these games and all the kids at morning glory and just seeing that emotional impact and that whole story and, and solidifying this man as just, one of the badasses of video games. It's hard for me to let go of uh, of Kiryu, to be Oof. perfectly honest. Um, then if we're talking weakest link out of these five characters, which the, none of them are weak, let's just be clear. I would say Shadowheart probably. Um, I don't think she's as integral to the story of Baldur's Gate 3 as the rest of these characters are to their respective games. Not that I want to take that out on this character. She wasn't designed to be the, the lead per se. 
Um, and she does steal the show in some respects, but is she as integral as a Johnny Silverhand, as a Kiryu, as a Riley or a Saga? I just don't think so. Yeah, but I don't, I guess I don't want to like, like you said, I don't want to fault her because that's what Baldur's Gate is. Like, nobody is integral if you don't, you could kill every other companions if you want. Well, I don't want to fault her for that either, but then that means you have to cut a Kiryu or you have to cut a Riley or a Johnny or a Saga. Uh, maybe we need to work backwards here maybe we need to kind of is there a lock already in 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 this in these ranks is it is johnny a lock is kiryu a lock is or do we want to keep cutting how do we want to approach this i think personally i think riley's a lock Hmm. i'm not i'm not fully there you're not there no i'm not fully there yet i think a lock is johnny okay oh yeah i'm good with that um, honestly, I think that's the only lock that I can maybe, maybe Kiryu. But do you agree with me about Kiryu in terms oh, of not, not oh, wanting I, to I, Yeah, I, I agree. I think. But do we feel weird about having <laughs> longstanding characters in our best character? No, not really. Because, um, of, of I don't the, either. the turns that his character is taken. Um, and the fact that despite his circumstances, he's still who he is. I think speaks to his strength as a character yeah. too. So I think Kiryu and Silverhand are are are, are locks okay. here. So we'll we'll kind of keep them in the lock category. Um, I still I so still think Shadowheart uh, is a cut. As much as I hate to say it, honestly, okay. um, I think it's a we have to we have to. I think cut. it's Saga versus Riley. And um, God, Man. it's hard because I really want to see Saga in the in in this in the third spot or somewhere i really do i think she's so interesting but i think riley might be the better character she might be the better character but with riley you can also uh, i don't know man because you could also play her as one note if you want but then again that's not really what Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 so tough because um, they share actually a lot in common when it comes to the family element. They do. Um, so it's 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 tough to kind of decide between the two in that way. Um, okay, I I think I would go Riley in that. Saga Anderson is a hard evaluate too, but Riley is without Riley, there is no oxen free too. Right, and the the and her and the yeah exactly and. I think that the way that they characterized her and she has her own kind of, you know, personality, but how you can kind of change that uh, in the game and, and, and make her more one thing or the other mm-hmm. based on some of the decisions you make. I really like the, the fluidity of Riley in that sense. And I feel like in terms of the overall character, I think Riley is probably who needs to be on this on this list. All right, then. I'll concede. Uh, we'll cut Saga, but yeah, uh, Saga is one of my favorite characters. She's in my, she's probably in my top two this year, maybe three. Um, okay, so then uh, sounds to me like Riley from Oxenfree Two is going to be in the third place position, since that was kind of the debatable. Um, yep. Kazuma Kiryu versus Johnny Silverhand. Hmm, that's a mm, toughie. That's a, that's a tough um, one. Uh, um, you know, it's it's to me. I lean Johnny. Um, 
Yeah, because we 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 might have seen the last of Johnny, maybe, but we d- haven't seen the last of Kiryu, and uh, you know, uh, next next month we're we're gonna see more of that, and yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot. Yeah, I like that. I I think yeah, I think you're right. I think Johnny Silverhand is is probably the best character. Of yeah, the year I mean, for sure. in in for context, I mean, for him to still be the standout character of Phantom Liberty with all the new and, and returning characters that were in the mix. Um, I think just speaks volumes. Um, every time he yeah. was on the screen, I was locked in. I couldn't wait to hear what he was going to say and uh, interact with him. And I was kind of hoping he would uh, appear. And when you have that demand for a character to be on screen, I think that says a lot. Um, Kazuma Kiryu has, is, is a no, he's a known commodity and he's, he's very accessible. <laughs> um, almost yeah, to yeah, a yeah. fault where you kind of wonder like, okay, are they going to let go of this character at some point? Um, or are they just going <laughs> to be like forever alive and, and well? Um, but I think Johnny, well, it might kill him with cancer. We'll see. I don't know. They're killing him with young Ye right now. Uh, I know that, but, uh, <laughs> I think we got our, our three. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the winner for best character, of 2023 is none other than Johnny Silverhand from Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty with second place going to Kazuma Kiryu from Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. And third uh, is Riley from Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. All right, man. Getting down to the wire here. Up next is the category for best moment or sequence. These are isolated or specific moments or sequences, uh, be it story or gameplay, etc., that stood out as the best of the year. Another hefty list, but they are the following nominees. Uh, We Sing from Alan Wake 2, the first talk show sequence from Alan Wake 2, and the ending sequence from Alan Wake 2. Uh, Moving on, we have the Ifrit boss fight from Final Fantasy 16 and the Sandbrek boss fight from Final Fantasy 16. We have Chai's Michael Jackson uh, stage pose with a shark suit on from Hi-Fi Rush. Um, <laughs> the post-credits cutscene from Lies of P. Uh, we'll just say the ending of Lies of P uh, is the next one. Okay. Um, the ending in Like a Dragon Gaiden. Miles versus Symbiote Peter from Spider-Man 2. The community center sequence from Oxenfree 2. Riley, uh, Riley rather Riley's final conversation with Rex. Uh, from Oxenfree 2. The dog that rescues Leon in Resident Evil 4. Hell yeah. The final boss fight with Krauser in Resident Evil 4. Cal and Marin's boss fight sequence in Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Piranha Plants on Parade in Mario Brothers Wonder. And the Wonder Plant level shifting in Wonder as well. Uh, on the Zelda side of things, we have the Ganondorf boss fight. The Rising Island platforming sequence. The Wind Temple boss fight. And uh, who the light dragon is in Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Um, the identity revealed, basically. Um, so, cuts. I got cuts. some. Go for it. Um, I'd say the Final Fantasy ones can go. Um, they were, they were yeah. fun and bombastic, but uh, even at their best, I think that they were a bit... Uh, flimsy in the grand scheme of what else is on this list um, because they were just a lot of flair and really no brains. Uh, but boy, the flair was cool. Uh, just maybe not cool enough yeah. to be a top three. So we're cutting Ifrit and the Sam. I fight. personally like the Sam Breaky boss fight more. Oh, than it was any fun. Other. It's the more yeah. grounded. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Chai's Michael. Uh, 
uh, tries the whole like Michael Jackson uh, pose stage with a shark suit on and and the whole Carrie what was it Perry Carrie per- what are you saying are you having a seizure also- right now no Katy Perry oh. had a whole shark suit thing <laughs> okay. as well so yeah but that, that can go that, that was a cool little thing um and I, I would say uh the hmm, the Miles versus symbiote Peter boss fight was cool but it's in, in the same kind of vein of Final Fantasy 14 boss fight I thought you know I thought it was it, it was a cool, cool moment that. but yeah. I don't think it, it, it yeah yeah Hmm. Okay. Um, dog rescuing Leon. I, I, I would two, say I, it can go. The dog rescue. It was a yeah, cool that was fuck cool. yeah moment, was, but yeah, not yeah. meaningful in any uh, big way. I I think both of the Mario Wonder stuff can go. I, I think the Piranha Plant on Parade was really cool, but I think other things on the musical level kind of uh, surpassed that. And the entire uh, Wonder Seat stuff is cool and and obviously changes the game drastically uh but you know i i think that there are other things on here that i feel were more uh impactful within this category okay fair enough fair enough um all right the some of the zelda stuff let's talk about those real quick um yeah i i i really was um pretty blown away by all these um yes i would say that maybe my least favorite was um the light dragon revelation because i i at at a certain point i saw it coming um but it was still a really like wild plot twist for me um but uh, in thinking about it now i almost don't want to cut it but i don't know yeah i don't i i don't want to cut it at all i okay i i I had i had kind of like also thought it was what it was i guess we could talk let's keep about it for it. now let's keep it for um, now let's keep it for now okay um i think the rising alley platform sequence yeah. is cool but we already knew that was a okay. thing you know what i mean um um man as much as i hate to keep three zelda moments on here i don't it's hard to part ways with these three right here um the the, prob- the problem is, and, I, and I'll say what it is, I think that a lot of the Breath of the Wild uh, uh, criticisms came from the fact that some of the temple stuff wasn't good, some of the boss fights weren't good, and Tears of the Kingdom rectified all those issues. Yeah. Uh, I think the Ganondorf boss fight was amazing. I think the Wind Temple boss fight was absolutely amazing. Um, but I think in terms of... Uh, moments. I, 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 if we're gonna keep one Zelda moment, which I think we, it should be just one, for me, Zelda. Uh, I think the Light Dragon stuff is is where we need to go. Uh, that's the one that we need to. Keep. I don't know if we should force ourselves to just keep one thing though. If we can make a case for two, okay, then let's do that. What would you say is the weakest link? The Wind Temple boss. I thought that okay. was cool, uh, but I think that the other stuff is okay. way, okay. way better. Well, let's keep those two and let's see how we land with the others. Um, so, Callan Marin's boss fight sequence, I thought when I played it, was some of the most like interesting and and, and really cool uh, moments mm-hmm. of the year. But uh, overall, I think that other stuff has have has since then overtaken it as as uh, one of the best moments. But I thought that was so cool using Marin's powers to kind of zip around through the level in that way. Uh, I just, I think ultimately it, it, it almost felt a little bit like on rails. And yeah. I just, didn't actually enjoy it very much yeah. to be honest. Um, 
but I know you did, so I wanted to account for it. Uh, boy. Uh, I think out of the Liza P stuff, I think that I'm I am much more hyped about the post credits cutscene than the actual ending of the game. 100%. So I think the ending can go. Um. Yeah. It was a good ending, a good culmination to that story, but I think the post credit and what that uh, implies yeah. is way. And we won't more say who it is. We, we can we can talk around the spoiler without talking about the spoiler. But I mean, a certain other character from a very well-known piece of, of literature uh, and film is is teased as the next potential lead character. Uh, and it was pretty exciting. I don't... I think we should spoil okay, it in that it th- these categories, all, we already kind of warned people about them being spoilers. And I think that in order for us to kind of give the reason as to why yeah, that's fair. That's fair. it's so yeah. interesting, I think we need to go all out on these categories. Um so go ahead. What 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 about the post credit scene was so cool? Because I thought the introduction of this character was awesome. Yeah. So it's uh, Dorothy. It's uh, it's good old fashioned Dorothy. Um, yeah, they showed her kind of within. They didn't show her all the way. They kind of teased her with uh, the, you know, the red on and, and the heels and so on. And uh, yeah, the red shoes. Yep. The the yep. It's uh, yeah. It's I thought because because Eliza P and like it, it kind of weaving through fairy tales and, and what it is. I think that the inclusion of someone like like Dorothy is super interesting because in addition to that, there was a moment where some mysterious figure picks up the phone and and talks about like they look like they're hunting down these these legendary figures mm-hmm. of 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 um of like fairy yeah. tales and so the inclusion of her was a, a weird but equally awesome inclusion in that it's like oh so they're going here this is what this series is going to be about and i think because of the way that they they, they fucking killed lies of peace story and how awesome they did with pinocchio that anything that they decide would be the next step in that would be interesting. And I think Dorothy is a super out of left field inclusion. And I, and I really thought that was so yeah. dope. Uh, th- this lane that they're striving for now with uh, how they're doing this, this retooling and recontextualizing these, uh, you know, these, these literary works uh, from our childhood is just so cool. Um, but yeah, I'm down for this hundred percent. I think it's an awesome, awesome thing. That's got me really excited for what's next for this. Uh, what's now going to be a series evidently. Um, Lies of D. Um. Uh, okay, so out of the Alan Wake sequences and moments, I think there's a clear front runner here, and that's We Sing, right? Um, oh, yeah. I, I look at the talk show sequence, and I I really enjoyed it. I felt it was it nailed what it was going for. It was awkward. It was unsettling. It was uh, again the mystique of Whirl and Door really came through. Uh, you were waiting for the fourth wall break almost, and the meta narratives and stuff like that. It was really interesting, and I liked the ending sequence of the game as well. It was very, um, very Inception esque at the end there too. Yeah, at the at the end of Alan Wake, the first game, you know, he he says something. It's not a lake; it's an ocean, uh, implying that it's 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 much bigger than what we thought it was. And in in this game, the, there was a a a theme of it being a, a loop, um, a loop. And so it's like, okay, this is something that's always going to happen. And we thought we'd do the ending in that, okay, it's just going to loop right back. And all But in reality, it, the ending uh, uh, kind of line is it's not a loop. It's a, Spiral. what do you say? It's a, 
it's a spiral. So like there is an ending, there is an exit, there is a way to get or, out of this. Or and further down. That, that imp- it's the direction. Or yeah. further down or going in. Yeah. So it's like the implication of that is is cool because they're using the the, the last line of Alan Wake implying that there's there's this bigger than we thought and 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 the last line of of alloway 2 implying that you know we're, we're just beginning to start down this path and, and, and we're going to keep spiraling down into wow however they decide to end this and i think that that's a super interesting kind of concept here but ultimately i think the we sing moment is just amazing oh, man i i just I was amazing. so skeptical. I kept hearing about, oh, when you get to We Sing, oh, when you get to We Sing, and I'm like, fuck off. And yeah, then I got yeah. To I don't want to. Like, I don't. I don't think I, I. I told you about it, but I think I only mentioned it once because I didn't want to overhype it. Um, but that We Sing that moment is, it's yeah. that good. So you, it, so basically, well, you want to explain it is if if you watch the Game Awards and you saw the the musical performance from you know the old gods of Asgard, um, basically the the that mission we sing is based heavily around the musical aspect uh, that you saw at the game awards. Um, but in a much more interactive and uh, unique way um, that starts off as more of an experience of you're kind of walking through listening to this song being sung about you and you're seeing characters on screen uh, kind of pointing you in the, in the direction you're supposed to be going while the song is playing and dance numbers are happening around you and stuff. And then the, there's the, then there's the gameplay portion that kicks in halfway through, or then you're fighting during all of this stuff happening. And yeah. it just, it just continues to get more and more and more epic and, and uh, uh, funny and cool and clever. It, it's just, it's absolutely brilliant stuff. It's really, it really is. They throw a musical in the a middle of that too. And it just, it works. It, yeah. it just works. It's the, the weirdness of remedy and personified Sam Lake, right there. Yeah, Sam Lake apparently fought for this to be in the game. But a lot of people were like, "Well, we're not doing this," and he's like, "No, this has yeah. to be in the game." And he, oh, was, he was right, right. man. That, that that moment is a is a is it was just transformative for this game. Moment. It was transformative. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. All right, we got to get a little cold blooded here. We're down to eight nominees. We have we sing. Cold-blooded. We have the post credit cutscenes from Liza P. We have the ending from Like a Dragon Guide and. We have uh, the community center sequence and Riley's final combo with Rex from Oxenfree. We've got the Krauser fight with uh, Resident Evil 4. And we've got the Ganondorf fight and the Light Dragon revelation from Tears of the Kingdom. Um, what, what are we doing? What are we I doing? think Krauser fight I thought was really mm-hmm. cool. Very Metal Gear. Uh, I, I like that. Yeah, very Metal Gear was multi. Like There was a lot of things that you had to go through in order to, to kind of get to to, uh, to defeat Krauser. Um, I thought that, you know, that inside sequence is really like fucking it, it's not like any other boss fight in the game and it, it just felt it was really awesome to, to to kind of experience it but i don't think it it, it holds up here i think both of the oxen free two moments can probably go as well as, as cool as they were and as, as pivotal as they were for that story um i just think that we're, we're talking about some pretty big stuff with the other unless you have a strong opinion yeah. here no, I think I think the 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 community center thing was cool to look at, and 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 in terms of the way they did that, it's a lot and, of different plot points converging awesome. in that in that sequence that I thought yeah, was really yeah. cool. Yeah, that was the moment where 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 all the things that were kind of being hinted at finally it was like a revelation, and and on top of that, the actual community center starts to like move 
and it's like it's all these things coming together while this entire area is is mm-hmm. shifting basically as your oh, perspective so cool, in the whole man. game is, is and things come to 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 clarity and I I really love that it was so awesome but I, I do agree and that final conversation with with Rex was was awesome it kind of brings those two games together uh, in a really dope way but um I, I do think that other stuff on the list is yeah, a lot better. Uh, the community center secret, you said it best. I won't piggyback off of that too much. You nailed it. The final conversation with her son, Rex, um, was such a powerful one as a parent, you know, talking about the ways in which that you, you have and will fail your child at times. And no one, no parent wants to think that they mm-hmm. will, but they will. And um, there was a lot of acceptance around that and a lot of um, really, really uh, deeply emotional stuff that was being exchanged between those two characters that I was completely glued to the entire time. And it, yeah. it really meant a lot to hear it uh, because, again, like no parent wants to think they're going to be imperfect. Um, and but it happens. And, yeah. and uh, oh, yeah. coming to terms with that uh, is is never easy. And Riley's encounter with that was just so unique in that sense. But again, I just think Absolutely. it can't it can't hang, man. Can't do it. So we're down to five. That's good. We're getting there. We got two more cuts to make, dude. So what are we doing here? Do you do you think anything here is a lock? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I think we sing is a lock. That's not going anywhere. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I do think I one do. of the Zeldas is at least a lock, in my opinion. I, I just it would be weird to not have a Zelda representation. I think the Zelda lock for me would be uh, the Light okay. Dragon thing. Okay. And basically, um, spoilers. Basically, the the master the master sword, uh, it, it broke at the beginning of the game, and in order for Link to defeat Ganondorf, he needs to have that master sword. But it's been apparently lost and lost to time itself. And what we find out is that Zelda, uh, sacrificed herself to become the Light Dragon, uh, because she was taken toward to the past, and in order for her to reach Link in the way that she's been trying to the whole game, she had to live her life out as the light dragon for what thousands yeah. of years in order to m- reach the moment in time where Z- link would finally pull the sword, uh, from Zelda who essentially to aid him, <laughs> uh, in order to, uh, to, uh, What's wrong with you? <laughs> in order to give it to, to link for him to save Hyrule kingdom yeah. In a twist that me and Marco saw coming, but in a game like Zelda, those story moments just don't happen, and they're not that intricate. And the fact that they mess with time, which is something they've done in the past with Zelda games, but in this way, and and, and it just kind of bringing uh, that sword to him in that fashion is just like the ultimate sacrifice yeah. that she did. Uh, it's it, it's it was it's beautiful and it's it's amazing and it's the best pulling of the sword moment in any uh, Zelda game that I've ever. Yeah, plus the the whole tears thing, finding those puddles of tears, and then right. you know getting piecing together, you know, kind of what happened when That's, Zelda went back right. in the past and how it all came to be. I just found that to be so engaging um, in a way where I'm like. Wow, this game has a great story. <laughs> I didn't, didn't think it yeah. was going to happen. So yeah, um, should we get rid of the, the the Ganondorf boss fight then? At that point, I mean, it's epic for sure. It's got a lot of layers and it's multifaceted. Or do we want to get rid of something else on yeah. the list here? No, I, I think Ganondorf should okay. go. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I think it was great. Uh, one of the the better boss fights of any Zelda game, uh, but it's not necessarily 
diff- it's not necessarily like a that much of a standout. I think you know with Ocarina of Time, that boss fight with Ganon and Ganondorf was was absolutely epic as well. So I mean, this the the, the series has a history of of kind of when when Link faces Ganondorf, it's something some dope shit's about to happen. But I yeah. think that ultimately that that light dragon. Uh, moment with Zelda and Link was was phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, so we got one more cut to make, dude. I, I think I know what I want to cut. Um, and it's not easy, but I, I want to cut the post-credits cutscene for Liza P. Yeah. I think that what it sets up for the next game is or DLC is very exciting. Um, it doesn't really say a lot about what else to expect, whereas I think that the ending for like a Dragon Gaiden is such a culmination of everything that you know to, that you talked about earlier that, that Kiryu has had to sacrifice through his losing his own identity and not being able to be close to the people he loves and really uh, feeling that gut punch of you know feeling for him and wishing you know that he could have a happy ending that he deserves after everything he's done for so many people. I don't think that the post credit cutscene has that same uh, level of impact. It, not that it's trying to no. per se, but it's more the, the Liza P thing is more of a, Oh shit, this is really cool. I can't wait to see what happens here. Yeah. And the ending of Gaiden is more of like a, a, a years and years of buildup uh, that I think really paid off. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So we have our three, which is we sing from Alan Wake to uh, the ending of like a dragon Gaiden and Zelda becoming the light dragon in tears of the kingdom. Now what's the order we're doing here? I mean, I think we sing is the winner here. Just the fact that it was the first one that we wanted to lock in. Okay. Uh, for me, it would be we sing. Zelda becomes a light dragon, and the ending of like a dragon guide in the man who erases name. I feel like for me personally, uh, for the reasons I've already talked about with the Zelda th- stuff, it, it just it, it it just it was really special as a as a long as a lifelong, um, uh, you know, Zelda fan seeing. Uh, Zelda do something this heroic and be a martyr for her cause and 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 do something other than <laughs> than, oh, than wait for Link. for Link to save her. Yeah, <laughs> was yeah. She was essentially the hero of the story. You know, like it, it, yeah. it, it was. She many many years devising a plan that you know at the end came in, in, into into view at the moment that it needed to was absolutely just amazing. And I love that story, uh, telling, uh, aspect of it, but the we sing stuff, it was just next yeah. level in terms of what it means for the game and, and, and just the impact. And I think it's the quintessential best moment and sequence of the year without a doubt. I agree. So with that being said, Pablo, the winner of best moment or sequence of 2023 goes to, we sing from Alan wake Two, followed by Zelda becoming the light dragon in Tears of the Kingdom and the ending of Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name at number three. That leaves us with our final category of the proceedings until uh, our part two. Uh, And that last category is best story. Um, These are the storylines that excelled in most or all aspects of depth, writing, characterization, acting, impact, and more. And the nominees are the following. Alan Wake 2. Baldur's Gate 3. Coffee Talk Episode 2. Hibiscus and Butterfly. Cyberpunk 2077. Phantom Liberty. Hi-Fi Rush. Lies of P. Like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Oxenfree 2. Lost Signals. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Starfield. 
The Expanse, a Telltale series, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and Venba. Okay. Um, yeah. Got a list here. You know what to do. Yeah. I really liked uh, Coffee Talk episode two, Hibiscus and Butterfly. I think that the conversations had in that in that game were really mm-hmm. cool. I like a lot of the things that they were implying there. But I think ultimately, uh, when it comes to a narrative, I, I think uh, there's way more games in this list that did a, a, a better oh, job yeah. at that. No, no question. No question. Anything else? Yeah, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I think that's the least interesting part of this game was the actual story. It was good. But it, it, you know, the gameplay was awesome. Some of the moments, story moments were good. But as a whole narrative, I think they leaned a little bit too much back into the Star Wars, Star Wars stuff towards the end again. With it is a Star Wars game, but I, you know, this I like when these games kind of they, they're their own thing. You know, in terms of this uh, of the entire, uh, there's so many stories that could be told in this world, and they keep going back to Darth Vader. Like fuck, <laughs> yeah, it's time to let that go a little bit. Give it a break, but uh, yeah, yeah, they did not. Um, the Expanse, a Telltale series. I think it was a, a it was a pretty decent story uh, that tied in really nicely to the show. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, some of the relationships with the characters felt a little undercooked. And uh, I think that uh, although the payoff at the end was nice, it just wasn't enough to carry the game through its uh, drier moments narratively. So I think it's a mm-hmm. cut. Um, I'm gonna go Marvel Spider Man Two, if you don't mind. Um, I don't. I think at all. it's a it's a fun. You know, it's a it's a Marvel story. It's uh it's a it, it checks the boxes. It's it's cool. Um, I don't know if I necessarily found it to be any uh, anything that really stuck to my ribs as far as like meaningful moments are concerned. Uh, they attempt a lot yeah. of that. They don't necessarily land all of it, but I'd say it's still a fun and enjoyable story, which is why I still think it was a worthwhile nominee, but not a top three. Yeah, it, it, like the Marvel films, the, it's just a game about moments and not exactly about the entire narrative uh, as a whole. Yeah. Um, I, actually, I got one that that may seem controversial because of how much we've hyped it up. But like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who raised his name, I, I think that that game was really good. Uh, I I think a lot of a lot of the 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 narrative of that game um, is 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 decent, but I think it's all about that ending. But as yeah. a whole. Uh, I don't think that the game is even amongst the best Yakuza had to I don't disagree, actually. I think that um, it does have a lot of cool moments. I think that some of the things that they show as far as what's happening uh, with the fall of the Yakuza is really interesting to see from that perspective. Uh, and a lot of the comeback characters from the series history was really cool to see for some fan service. But I do think that it wasn't necessarily going to win any awards as far as the, being the strongest narrative in the series by far. But the ending, obviously, is the ending. And we just praised it to hell. A moment ago, but yeah, I think it's a cut. Um, I think Hi-Fi Rush can go. It's a it's yeah. a fun-loving story. It, it's a very irreverent, you know, lighthearted tale. It's not taking itself seriously whatsoever. And there's nothing wrong with that. It does not every game with a great story has to be serious and emotional. But I also think that um, it it did get a little bland and, and a little a uh, little too hollow at times, even even for what it's striving yeah. for. Uh, but still fun and enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, that's not the reason we played no, that no. game. The story was good, but the gameplay aspects of that game were much more outweighed what the narrative was. Um, Starfield is an experience. I love Starfield. I think that a lot of the 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 story elements of that game really are good. Uh, but as a whole narrative, the, the main quest 
for me might be the weakest part yeah. of that game. Uh, you know, but I, I, I don't think that for best story, it, it, it delivers the best story. Yeah, it sets up a, a great, um, like world lore and, and, you know, factions and everything that's going on in the game. It does that really nicely, but I think the way that it comes through in the main quest line and even some of the faction quests were a little dry in certain moments too. Yeah. Uh, not, not a very memorable story, but it was, it, it did its thing. And, and at times it was really intriguing stuff to see what they were doing. Um, so I think it was still worthy yeah. of a nomination, but not a winner. Um, whew, uh, man. So Liza P to me might be the next one here. It's a, it's a tough call because I really like how they recontextualized the story of Pinocchio and made all of it really cool. Um, it does kind of fall prey to being too close an imitation to From Software's narrative delivery, uh, which can get a little too cryptic and obtuse and gobbledygooky at times. Um, although it's not nearly as bad, it is. It does. It is more direct in certain instances, but I do think that in that in that interest in trying to be like uh, Souls games from From Software, they maybe um, played it a little too much like them in ways that I think maybe worked against yeah. the narrative at times. Yeah, I agree with that. I think also a lot that 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 Liza P has going for itself is the fact that we just didn't expect that to be right good in terms of yeah. it, the story. And it was, and it was good. But it, yeah, definitely not amongst the best. Um, I could offer up my baby Venba here. I think Venba is an absolute amazing experience. It's very short. I think, you know, just based on what the the message of, of that story of, of of immigrants trying to keep their their culture alive and and instilling that into their son who is not who who doesn't really know his his roots because of where he it was raised and even where he was born and so that dichotomy between trying to be uh still be in touch with your roots but also live your life as in this case, as a Canadian, it, 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 there was just that 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 was a really interesting story told and told through 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 food and, and things of that sort. And and I, I really enjoyed that. But I, I do think that the, the, the games we have left are a much better um, uh, representation of what we like in our narratives. Yeah, um, I, I didn't connect with the story much at all, but I know you did. Um, so I appreciate the sacrifice for the greater good of this list. Um, so I'll accept that cut. Um, we're down so, to five games. That's Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Phantom Liberty, Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals, and Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, you were about to say something. Go ahead. Phantom yeah. Liberty. Yeah. I think that that, that, that story yeah. is good. Um, I just love being back in that world. I think it did more for characters like uh, Johnny Silverhand, uh, but the overall story itself was... You know, it's it fine. was like yeah, more was or less a glorified solid. side yep. quest. Yeah. yeah, I yep. can see that going. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, now, now it's yeah, it's 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 getting it's getting serious up in this hoe. Um, what are you thinking here? I mean, we got some bangers. Um, I I'm looking at Tears of the Kingdom right now. And I'm saying, you know what? For a Zelda game, it was a really, really good story. Um, if I put it next to these, 
games that we have left, I don't think it compares to those. I think if we're grading it on a curve as a Zelda game and we're going, yeah, this is among the elite of this franchise narratively. But what do you feel about that? Is that is that how you're feeling? Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, Tears of the Kingdom is a masterpiece, but its narrative is just a component of that. It isn't what makes it great. Um, I think that the story is wonderful for all the reasons that we've already covered. But if we're just comparing here to what we have on our list uh i don't even think that story is in the same league as these three games that we have left just to be yeah yeah it's tough it's tough but i think i think that's especially especially where i'm at with Baldur's Mm -hmm. game uh admittedly haven't beaten it um but some story revelations some moments have absolutely floored me Mm -hmm. in ways that i wasn't expecting uh i yeah, I think Baldur's Gate. I think these are the three correct yeah. games. Now we have to find. <laughs> so this, this is going to be a bit. The three, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, I don't. Oof. I. I hate to be so obvious, but I think Alan Wake Two is probably number one. Hmm. Okay, talk to me. But I would not fight you if you thought Oxenfree was number one. It's tantalizing what you just said there. It <laughs> tantalizing. Is. Um, as for Baldur's Gate three, as to why I think it's the it's the third on this, I think it. A lot of the story stuff is 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 at the end of the game, towards the end of the game. Uh, a, a lot of the, the the companion quests are really good, but you have to go through about twenty hours. Uh, of that game to really get to the good stuff. And then you got to go about 45 yeah. to actually meet the main villains of the game. This <laughs> is fucking mm-hmm. insane. Um, so there's a lot about Baldur's Gate three that I don't think really can uh, compare to the narrative, the, the, the narrative drive of Alan Wake two and Oxen free. I agree with you. My angle is a little bit different, but I think you'll agree with me as well. In Baldur's Gate three being, um, despite how great it is from a character perspective and a writing perspective, I think the one thing that holds it back, at least from my experience with it right now is, um, setting does not really feel integral to the game in the same fashion that I think, Oxenfree 2 setting is integral and obviously the dark place and Cauldron Lake and Bright Falls and you know and Alan Wake 2 um those those parts of the narrative I think are really really huge in making the stories matter in Alan Wake and Oxenfree whereas Baldur's Gate it feels it always feels like yeah the setting is there and it's important in some capacity but it never feels like it is um like being any any place in particular is essential to um, enjoying the story. Like you can plop that narrative I, in any location, and it would still run the same way. Where you can't you can't have Alan Wake 2's story without what the dark place means in the grand scheme, and what the carryover from Oxenfree one to two is with Lost Signals and that and that narrative hook. So, I can tell you that in Act Two and Three of Baldur's Gate Three. The setting becomes essential to the story. Moonrise Tower, and then the actual. Oh, I'm sure it does. Baldur's I, Gate. I, I mean, yeah, there. Baldur's Gate but, is the name of the game, but but yeah. even then, <laughs> but even then, bro, uh, even then, even the fact that the, the 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 place and location become essential to the story, even then, 
I don't think is still as good as Oxygen Free 2 or yeah. Alan. So I think we know that's going to be third. So let's kind of lock that in as number yeah. three for Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I want to split hairs briefly about both games. Um, okay, I think ahead. that if I'm looking at Oxygen Free 2, if I'm splitting hairs, um, putting a lot of the narrative burden on Jacob and Riley was um, not misplaced because they were both great characters. But I think that some of the ancillary pieces to the narrative, while they were cool to know and cool to talk to over the radio, uh, and I enjoyed reaching out to those people and getting to know them the best I could, I kind of wish there was more in-person uh, dialogue between other characters, not just the the kids that are running around um, the island. Um, yeah. But it didn't get in the way of me like not loving you know, loving the game or anything like that. Alan Wake 2's split split hairs for me is in its convolution. I think at times it can be a little too meta in its delivery to the point where uh, it it didn't feel like it was very approachable. Um, and and it is supposed to be complicated. That is part of the plight of Alan Wake himself is figuring it out, detangling and decoding everything that he has to figure out to get out of the dark place. But I do think that at a certain point there is, there, there were moments where I was a bit, there was a bit of a, a fatigue with that. Um, and I don't think that everything, um, you know, really felt super gratifying across the board. Most of it did, but there were a few elements where I was like, yeah, I wish they kind of, you know, like they, they showed this whole movie from Thomas Zane in, in uh, the theater yeah. and I watched it and I'm like, I don't know what you want me to take from that. You know, like, what do you want me to parse from this weird, you know, short film that you're literally showing me? It's cool that you're doing it for the sake of the narrative, but I don't know what this means to me, you know? So it, it was one of those things where the complications did start to wear on me a little bit, but not to the point of not enjoying the story. So, right. So what are you leaning here? I mean, <sighs> is, this, is it Alan Wake? Is it, is it really just Alan Wake at this point? I don't know because you kind of sold me on on. There are moments in in Alan Wake Two where things happen that I really, I don't know why they happened. Uh, like the when Alan Wake Two gets possessed by Scratch and and like there are certain there it's a fantastical kind of story, but there's certain things that happen in that game that are like wait what like like that's a thing that happens. You know what I mean? Like it it just little things like that where I think for the sake of complexity they made these choices but i also think there's a really cool payoff to, there to, to is. a lot that of that is very so. very true and and i will say that the way that they bring back characters from alan wake one tie in we talked about yeah. control and the tie-ins with the connected universe there that's brilliantly done you talk about um all the characters that are you know new to alan wake that i think were done really well we talked about Saga being Saga, Warland and Dor getting a feature. They introduced a lot and they nailed pretty much all of it from a character standpoint. Yeah. Um, so, and just like all these implications, like Warland Dor possibly being Saga's father, and like all the stuff that's happening with his wife and the twist there the about Norse his mythology wife component. What, I mean, what what even is that? Like, there's there's just a lot of really cool layers here. Yeah. The janitor, yeah. What's his name? He's so yeah, cool. like yeah, and then, and then the interconnectivity of, of of control and the the callbacks to even things like Max Payne and yeah, I think it's Alan Wake too. He, I yeah, I agree. And this is this is my ultimate summary of why. Um, if 
let's say if, if Alan Wake 2 connects on 85% of its story, I think that 85% that it gets right is better than the 100% that Oxenfree 2 gets right, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's just such a big, big swing, one after the other. It's just undeniable. I agree. I agree. Man, uh, Alan Wake did its thing today, man. Um Let's uh let's let's announce the official winner of best story of 2023, which is none other than Alan Wake Two, by Remedy Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Coming in at number two is Oxenfree Two: Lost Signals, and in third place, Baldur's Gate Three. So, Pablo, just to briefly summarize our winners and not so winners today, uh, we uh, had best visuals and art style, with the winner being Alan Wake Two. Best sound, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> best sound going to Alan Wake Two. Best new content going to Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, plus the 2.0 and 2.1 updates. Midest game of the year going to Immortals of Avium. Booty Juice of the year going to all the layoffs across the gaming industry. The Anything Goes Award going to Hogwarts School. The biggest disappointment being Final Fantasy 16. The biggest surprise being Hogwarts Legacy. The best character is Johnny Silverhand from Phantom Liberty. The best moment or sequence is We Sing from Alan Wake 2. And the best story of 2023 is Alan Wake 2. So that is what we got, Pablo. How are you feeling? Do we think we got it right, man? I think we did, man. Going through all these again and seeing a lot of stuff on here that I uh, that I totally agree with. I mean, I think we nailed it. I think we got everything right, uh, you know, from visuals to sound to all the other categories. I think that I think we express ourselves in a way where we really talked ourselves into the right uh, winners in second place and third place. So I'm, I'm happy yeah. with this. Quite, I think quite we, got happy. we got, you know, we got right what we got to get right. Um, so that, that that's good. Mm-hmm. That's always good. Uh, but that is just part one, believe it or not, of our uh, cool down time uh, end of year awards, because up next week is going to be the top 10 games of 2023 that's right me and pablo are going to be deliberating uh and ranking the best of the best from one to ten and then we're going to be revealing our personal top 10 picks and honorable mentions of the year as well in our grand finale of 2023 end of year coverage so please be sure to join us again next week to find us on that episode and subscribe to us in the meantime so that you don't miss out In the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this. We hope this gives you lots of content to work your way through uh, the holidays up until our next episode drops for Game of the Year. Uh, But until next time, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this, and we will see you very, very soon. Take care. Peace out. Make me feel good.